podcast your soul. I'll podcast your soul. I'll podcast your soul. Podcast this. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. I right? have to do everything, basically. I know. It's not It's not a wordy movie. There's not, not a lot of quotes where you could, you know... I also feel like the most infamous in. quote from this movie is groovy. groovy. Of course. One word. I mean, you could have done some... You're here. You could have done some chainsaw noises, I suppose. Yeah. You just said podcast. Podcast. <laughs> Um, we just podcasted our girlfriend. Does that seem okay to you? That's a good one. Yeah, that's that's yeah. actually probably the best. Right. Yeah. Does that sound fine? Oh, sound fine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm looking. At, <laughs> what about what about this one? After all, I'm a man, and you're a podcast. At least last time I checked. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some pretty good ones yeah, actually. Oh, that yeah. was his corny. But like now, I'm looking at the page, and it's like yeah. work shed. Right. Uh, that's a line. Right. right. Groovy. That's a line. Groovy. A very ADR line. line too, <laughs> right. By the way. Yeah. I noticed that again. Pro- Producer Ben made a good point right before we started recording. We should probably devote the first like 10 to 12 minutes of this episode to redoing our Evil Dead 1 episode, but just like bullet points, like but, faster speed. But we nailed that episode. Or maybe we blew it. I, this is the only Rainy problem. nailed Evil Dead. Also recasting. Like, right. You, right. We got to right. recast a little bit. Or recast me. Like, yeah. half, half the cast. Someone is different. It's right. not Ellen Sandweiss or whatever anymore. Right. It's whatever her name is. Yes. Um, um, yes. I, I think, look, this movie has like such a legendary status in so many different ways. And I think the fact that for so long that was never really explained that people were like, so is it a remake or is it not? Right. And then I feel like in the last like five or ten years, Raimi and Campbell have both been like, we didn't have the rights to the first movie. Right. We wanted to sort of do a previously on. Right. We couldn't, so we just remade it more quickly with less people. Well, also, they did want to make it. Right. They wanted to make Army of Darkness. Right. But it was uh, De Laurentiis who said, uh, no. Yeah. Why don't you That's just crazy. make Evil Dead 2? Again. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. But, like, but Evil Undead, right? That's what they, the, right. that was their, uh, or no, no, no. Medieval Dead. Medieval Dead. That's it. Sorry. Medieval, Sorry. Medieval Evil Dead. Undead. That's not right. funny. Right. It's kind of like the Aliens pitch. Yeah. Evil Dead. And then Mid. M E D. You know, yeah. like that's, that's right. funny. Yeah. yeah. Except the Aliens with a, with a uh, uh, cash symbol. Right. Yeah. The dollar sign at the end makes sense to every craven Hollywood producer. Right. That was the problem. De Laurentiis. <laughs> so I, I, I see no symbols for money in this thing <laughs> yeah, you wrote right. there. Mid- medieval Dead is like a very Sam Raimi idea. Right. It's like, how about we take the thing that is, re- that, that, that is recognizable that everyone right. knows, right? And we throw it into a ren fair, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Right? Okay, Sam. everyone will be like, ah, <laughs> kill the idiot!" And it's like, well, right. they're not Hang in on. the cabinet at right. all. Right? right. right. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this is going down. Right? Oh, 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 oh no! I feel like my mic is dr- well, drifting Ben's down. Mic just drooped. Look, ben, your your I, cranes have real performance anxiety. It's been a while since I've done this, but I do feel like uh, there's a new Ben nickname I need to add. I'm not going to run through all of them. I trust this is a nickname of approbation and and celebration of Ben, not derision. I I think it's look. I think I don't want to be I, responsible. I view it as a positive. I think it's an honorific. Say it he again. might take umbrage. Say it again. The new nickname mm-hmm. I want to give him is the Futzer. Oh, he is a bit of a Futzer. Futzen. We you know Champion we're hopefully futzer. working towards finally getting a, a studio a semi permanent professional home to record our podcast in Thank for the you, first ben. time since the pandemic. Right. God. But it means that Ben's always like constructing and deconstructing a record setup for every episode. Yeah, and he, I feel he loves a to fuss. Like my energy is um, who's the uh, dusty boy and uh, Charlie Brown. 
Pig pen. Pig pen? I feel a little bit like my energy is just chaos before we get recording because I'm always just like, uh, I want to set up and get this going. I, so anyway. I disagree. Good. You're a calming presence from the moment yeah. I stepped in. Excellent. Yeah, good. Pig so, pen isn't like a busybody. He's just got shit fucking swirling around Yeah, him. you're dirty as shit. That's right. true. You're right. yeah, you got flies. flies. Yeah. I mean, I've yeah. got flies. I've got dust. Yeah. You know, so I guess that's why my head went there. Yeah, but yeah. that would be more pig pen, I think. That would be more yeah. pig pen. Look, yeah. this is a podcast called Blank Check with Griffin and David. I'm Griffin. I'm David. I'm so the Futzer. You're the Futzer. Yeah. Is Pigpen the best Charlie Brown character? Pigpen's Hardly. the funniest creation. Obviously, I think. like Linus and Lucy and Charlie Linus are like is the best rich, Charlie Brown character. Interesting characters. So like, but it's sort of like it's like The Simpsons. Okay, right. so like take the main cast, the main right. guys off the board. Side, side characters. So I, we're talking I have like an obvious Schroeder answer. Right. And uh, Peppermint Patty and all the all this. Sort of I have an obvious fun. answer. I I think I think Pigpen's like deal is the funniest comedic conceit that he always has. He's, all. he's always dirty. Right. Sure. right. But just the idea of this kid who's so dirty, it creates like its it own funny. ecosystem. It is, and right. it is a classic kid thing. There is always that kid who's got jam on his hands. Right. Yeah. But I have, I have my answer for who the fun, who the best non, non Trinity character. Yes. Obviously Snoopy and Woodstock are out. They're right. out. They're a whole right. separate right. universe. But basically. they, they're right. out too. Those are right. Those right. are right. Charlie Line be a balloon Lucy. is right. out. Are you a Shermie guy? You're a Shermie guy, aren't you? I, my answer feels so obvious. And I feel like it's a Ben guy, but but I've it's always loved him. It is a male. Obviously. It is a male identifying character. Okay, Spike. Spike. Who's Spike? Spike, Spike is Snoopy's cousin. Spike who's got is like Snoopy's cousin? He's the real the, like Harry Dean Stanton. He's energy. always hanging out by the cactus or whatever. He's, he's got like dogs, a mustache. From the, yeah. America, the American Southwest. He's, um, right there. He is. He's uh. He's that guy. Oh yeah, this guy rules. Yeah, I kind of I remember you him. Pro, are you pro Shermie? No, I just love characters that just disappear. Just yes. Don't don't matter. Yeah, and get like cut Richard out. Cunningham's brother. Oh, That's, yeah, yeah. Shermie. Shermie was the star of the show. Yes, he was. Uh, Charlie Brown was a was a it's, was a, a geek that the, no one liked. Well, right. the great first issue of a panel. How, yeah. how I hate him. How I hate him. It's still the good perfect joke. What a punchline. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's so good. Yeah. It's still you could. It's it's the whole thing's right there. Well, and such an amazing like realization to go like. What if the panel's about this guy that everyone hates inexplicably? <laughs> that the universe just is like, I don't know, something about him. Parents in the neighborhood give him rocks for Halloween. Adults. <laughs> right. Everyone's give just him like, rocks. He's not ill-intentioned, but something about this kid bums me out. Okay, so now I'm on the Peanuts website. Okay, okay here we go. And Peanuts.com, The, the characters... Peanuts.com. Oh. The characters that they that give... That would have been a hell of a one to sit on. <laughs> I know. 1995, just registering peanuts.com. Who, whoever wants it. Some Ooh. peanut Schultz, farmer. John right, Kimball down yeah. in North Planters. Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> right. Sending his daughter to college. Um, the characters that they okay. list, Top the, like tier. 11 characters they list as being worthy of like individual can, can profiles. I, can I try to guess them? Let's hear it. Sure. Okay. I mean, obviously, Charlie Brown, Linus, Lucy, Snoopy, Woodstock. Sure. Schroeder. Yep. Uh, do, is, does Sally make the cut? She sure does. Peppermint Patty? Yep. Marcy? Mm-hmm. Okay, we're at nine. Franklin's got to be there. Franklin. They have to put Franklin in. The 11th character, human? Yeah, we've named him. We've named him already? Yeah. Shermie? No, Pigpen. Pigpen. Oh, Pigpen. He makes the 11. Of course. But like, so not But every... the personality distinction really drifts after right. the top And he's five. got a great yeah. uh, little, you know, avatar little, there. Little oh, avatar, yeah. yeah. All his little, his little dirt cloud. 
Uh, I'm into Schroeder. I fuck with Schroeder. I like him. I was going to say Schroeder got, feels. Schroeder is my favorite. Schroeder's got big Hodgman energy. Um, Does Schroeder. Cool Joe not count as his own Joe character? Cool. Oh, I'm sorry. Joe Cool. I think wow. he counts as his own character. I really fucked up there. But that's an alter ego to Snoopy, right? Right. But yeah, like, but I do think you count like but Snoopy the Red doesn't Baron remember or any of the other? When he's no, not in the Red that Baron. Baron. The Red Baron. Well, he's, he's fighting the Red Baron. Fighting Snoopy, uh, it's Snoopy the, the War Ace disorder? or whatever. I, that's it, my Jack understanding. Yeah. We're both having conversations at the same time. It's kind of like how no, you go. Calvin, yeah, you know, like Spaceman Spiff is sort of a a distinct character. He's also Calvin. I just love that the peak of coolness in the Peanuts universe is this dog putting on sunglasses and everyone being like, oh, wow. And a sweatshirt that says Joe right, Cool. Right, so people know. It does say his name. It's true. Joe it's cool. nothing, nothing cooler than a sweatshirt with your own name on it. This guy's so fucking cool. Um, yes. Yeah, so. This is a podcast about uh, Peanuts. Um, <laughs> Look, I mean, I'd be interested. Okay. One panel per app? One panel per app. Or one, one strip per app. One strip. Yeah, you gotta get three panels. It's not a one panel comic. No. I'm surprised this that... isn't some family circus shit. No. Well, maybe we could do a family circus podcast. No, thank you. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I'm surprised. There's a lot to mine there, I'd, yeah. I'd say. It's, it's disturbing. In the family circus? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. There's plenty to has, look has into there. Has someone tried right? to do yeah. the, the one strip per episode Peanuts podcast that will take 60 years or whatever? I'm yeah. pretty Jonathan sure Jonathan Franzen is doing it in oh, secret. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Sufjan Stevens announced it, but he's only done like three of them. <laughs> he's done like right, three right. of the Sunday papers. He did the first, oh, did the first two, it. and then he did like a random one from the 70s. <laughs> right. That would really, yeah. Right. You got he a did real... a zits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he did a week on shoe. <laughs> no one knows why. Um, comic strips. I do love comic strips. It's actually a sort of, I, I I've got too many obsessions, but it's a, a quiet one of mine. Side podcast on comic strips someday. Do you ever read the comics curmudgeon, Josh? Yes. Yes. That's, love that's it. That's mostly how I keep up with them these days. It's very only, funny. Shout out to yes. Josh. Because finding a newspaper that actually has a comic strips in it. Right. Right. That is was, a de- it's a depressing enterprise. And yeah. when I was a kid, that was, I'd be like, you know, give me the daily news, baby. They Although, had like eight yeah. pages of them. When Mark Trail changed... Uh, very strange. When Mark Trail changed its uh, uh, art and creative direction, mm. the letters that the Portland Maine Press Herald oh. got were amazing. Mark Trail looks like this now. It used what? to kind of look like, you know, Dick Tracy or right. any of those sort of classic. Right. It was very il- illustrative and very like square. Right. Now, jaws now and... it looks like 2002 webcomic. Yeah, a little bit. Like yeah. not even present day webcomic. Yeah. Do you guys remember the Lockhorns? Of course. Of course. The They're still panel. going. Single I know. panel. I know. Single panel. And this is the whole thing, and Josh at the Commerce Commission has addressed it, where it's like, now if the Lockhorns are like a, a grumpy married couple in their 40s, they're like millennials, right. <laughs> like, like right. because of the way time right. just moves. <laughs> what if there were, what if there were a, a, an update to the Lockhorns? Sure. And like all of a, a sudden, they're, they're people in their 30s. Right. We, 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 we who got them. married a little too young because yeah. they, they were looking for benchmarks of adulthood because sure. they couldn't get jobs. Now they're arguing about they soy huge lattes. Social, exactly. They had huge educational uh, loans. <laughs> they, they keep playing they, their they Tamagotchis. They couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't <laughs> rent an apartment, never mind buy a home. There's look, no way to become this, an adult other than getting married. Look at Lockhorns caption. The main okay, reason, so they're okay. at a marriage counselor, right? <laughs> and they both look miserable, and the marriage counselor looks like Sigmund Freud. I assume 90% sure. of their household expenses are marriage yes. counseling, right? Like in various right. forms, right? Hodgman, do you want to read the caption? The main reason Leroy and I stay together is to share the Amazon Prime account. I mean, that is like a millennial concern. What's so, what I'm what's saying. So, and this speaks to the theme of the of the movie that we're going to discuss. <laughs> it really does. Yeah, about like two Freud. weeks from today. When <laughs> it does. Is that what's so... It's destabilizing. Yes. That, that image is destabilizing yeah. because that 
caption mm-hmm. is relatively contemporary yes. and right. something that yes. a and millennial couple might say. Yeah. Right. But every visual signifier in that is 1950s, yes. 1960s, Absolutely. and his suburban name, couple. Of course, it's still Leroy. Like they, Leroy like, they, 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 Leroy they remain, yeah. they remain rooted in. He's whenever. got that one. He's got that bald pate with the right. one hair yeah, the sticking out. Hair sticking out. The thing I was going to say about the Lockhorns. The reason I even invoked them, I, I, I read aloud the passage from the book of right. the Lockhorns right. and brought them into this room. You're right. Uh, I, I as a kid, for whatever reason. My dad would make a big ceremony out of like, it's Sunday, you know, and that means the comics. Yeah, the funnies. Let's, let's slap open the Daily News, read the Sunday funnies. For whatever reason, I got in my head that the Lockhorns were called the comics. <laughs> so when I would open that page, the first thing I would do is read the Lockhorns and I'd go, not very funny. Let me read these other things. Was and it that s- they were at the top and it just said Maybe? the comics? I don't know. Then... I just thought for some reason who, they were called the who comics. Who would have put the Lockhorns at the top? <laughs> it's of the... Not, not what you want to leave But with. I was like, they're the titular comics and then there's some other strips. And I'd be like, why do they get top billing? I mean, well, like, they don't and they're not called the comics. Only what? one only one, one entity is going to knock peanuts out of that top slot of the Sunday comics. And that is the lovable Fat feline known as Garfield. Well, this guy. Big G. I mean, this guy. I remember Garfield's ascent. You weren't even born yet. I wasn't. I remember Garfield hitting the scene, knocking peanuts out of the top of the Boston Globe comics. Look, I mean, I don't want to triumph. I, I don't want to anger. Born into a post Garfield America, I knew nothing but Garfield. I don't want to anger him. Uh-huh. Maybe it wasn't Peanuts. Maybe it was Doonesbury. Maybe you know what it was? I think it might have been Doonesbury. Well, Doonesbury was kind of yeah. Yeah, Massachusetts, of course. Right, yeah. Doonesbury, the top of the comics. Yeah. It is Monday. I don't want to piss it Garfield is Monday. off, but it's it's his least favorite I love day. Mondays. I get he to... did tweet this yesterday, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was genuinely funny. For it's... those of you not in the room, it is a tweet from. At Garfield, presumably. <laughs> Sent on Sunday. Tweeted on Sunday, yeah. dreading tomorrow. And, and let's say, all lowercase, lower no punctuation. No. How long have they been Sunday? sitting on that joke? Or do they do it every Sunday? Why have they been waiting this it's whole... It's 2022. <laughs> Not to date us. For, for this will be an episode that shall live forever. People are trying to like, and like I've carbon gone back. Date. It's, it's a Monday He doesn't do that like every Sunday. What like did you do last Sunday? All right, last so last Sunday would have been the, anyone excited the 20th. for euphoria tonight? <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, last Sunday he just tweeted this. It's kind of a weird tweet. Sent Odie on an errand so we can't talk. So, so we, we can't, can't talk about him. This is like we're gonna gossip about Odie now that he's on an errand. Also, what errand? He's a dog. Send me get onions. Like, you know, <laughs> you know the person who writes the Twitter. Garfield account is a listener to blank check. You know, it's just we're going to get the message. There, there is a just desperately trying to get fired every yeah. day. They're like, surely this, this someone will notice. I this. don't know, but hey, person out there, if right. you're within the sound of my voice, my yeah. name is John Hodgman. By the way, I'm the guest on the show. John Hodgman, gentleman, John Hodgman, the judge. Like, get get DM me. My DMs are open. I want to know what your life is like. I want to know all off the record. I won't repeat anything, but. I do feel like Holy moly. this is increasingly a thing where we'll hyperfixate on some like very specific like who's the person who does this? Like yeah. could you imagine being the IP lawyer for Space Jam a new legacy? And then some guy will slide on our Reddit and he's like, Hey, so I quit recently, but I was the IP lawyer on right. Space Jam a new legacy. Or we were like ragging on Mill Creek Entertainment cover art. Yeah. And then some guy on our Reddit was like, That's my wife. <laughs> <laughs> People and he said they played jobs. it in the office and everyone liked it. They were like, we it's like so the attention. When people have jobs. People have jobs. And, you know, I'm I'm not saying this to make 
fun. I'm no. fascinated with the person I hope they're a whose job it is to write, and I'm sure they're a blank. They did a great tweet. They or just I'm sure did, a blank. They just did a great. They tweet. just did a great tweet. Tweet of the year, as far as I'm concerned. It's early so far, still, but yes. it's up there. Yeah. But I just want to say, if you don't make yourself known, or if you're a blank and you know who this is, if you don't yeah. come into my DMs, or 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 if you feel more comfortable, Griffin or David's no, their go podcast. To, go to John. Because I will insist on coming back on this show and modulating my voice and pretending to be the the anonymous Garfield. You tweeter. want this person to reach out to you so you can get their voice down so that you can. No, play. because I'm I'm gonna. It's gonna be my character from now on. Right. No, that's what I'm saying. But I'm, you need so, to do I'm some... very glad to be here. Thank you very much. I was really happy that you reached out uh, to me. Buffalo Bill running the. Um, this is a podcast about filmographies. Yep. Directors who have massive success early on in their careers, much like Jim Davis, Garfield in Early Breakout. Sure. Yeah. Or Charles Schultz kind of pretty much hit it on the first time out, right? I guess so. Yeah. He just walked in there and he was like, here's the pitch. They're six years old, but they're miserable. (laughs) (laughs) Full body depression. Our only only request is you change the name to Peanuts. Yeah. Which was their request. Right. I know. He was like, why would I call it Peanuts? And they were like... You got to do it. What, what were you going to call it, Charles? Sad Fox? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, he was going to call it Charlie Brown, right? Misery. He was going to call it Lil Folks. Right. Oh, that's right. Oh, he had a thing called Lil Folks. Maybe and he was going to. Yeah. No, I think I you're know. right, though. No, I, I think you're right. Hey, what should you I met him once. I met him once. Look, director. Did you meet him? Wait, 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 sorry. You met Charles Schultz? You met Charles Schultz? Mm-hmm. When I was a little kid, I went on like a tour of his museum. Yeah, I guess yeah. his studio. I don't know. There's a Schultz Museum, right? There that is. I think is right. His yeah. Did you? Last thing I'll say about comic strips because Charles Schultz I really was a big, was a big supporter of Kathy Guysweit. Right. Did mm. you listen to Jamie Loftus's no. Kathy podcast? I've been meaning to Her do really, the whole really thing yeah. with really Jamie good. is she's so. We'll never be on this podcast again, by the way. Yeah. That I am so staggered by how good her ideas are. And then I'm like, I can't wait to listen to that. And then I sort of like, I know. I, you know, I, I put it in my feed and I'm like, oh, because now she's got the hot dog thing going. And I'm like, that's I didn't a even know about idea. the hot dog. That's her next. Is it happening? It's, ha- it's She's I'm touring missing. with it right now, I think. Oh, wow. Holy moly. Or about to tour, maybe. She's that been eating great. hot dogs around the country. I know that. Oh, boy. And I was just texting with her and I was, she was just briefly, and I was like, this is so good. I wish I yeah. had thought of that. Anyway, I know. anyway she's I know. great. She's great. We'll never be on the show again. Uh, this is a mini-series on the films of Sam Raimi, Samuel Raimi. Uh, it it yep. is called Podcast Me to Hell. Do you approve? I approve. I didn't even think about this. I want to pod me of dark cast. I love that. Thank you. Uh, sure. I think, but, but you, you suggested this title. You're trying to make a war I'm here. Suggest- I'm war, not yeah. trying to make a war. I'm just letting people know some of my alts. Some of the, yeah, sure. What uh, were your others? It was uh, tough. Ben had a really good pitch. It no, was clean, which was, uh, do you want to say it, Ben? Yeah, Ben. I don't remember it exactly. I believe it was Spider Pod 3 cast. Yeah, he just. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the big detail was the three breaking It up. sounds like something fell down the stairs, stopped, <laughs> and then somehow fell down a couple more stairs. Like, you're like, it's done, right? But like, no. No. Yeah. yeah. Cast. Uh, Much like Bruce Campbell sitting down in that chair and it collapsing just when you think the sequence yeah. is over. Right. right. Uh, that's God. It's such a like it. That's one of those moments that the entire movie in a microcosm, which is like, finally there's a breather moment. Everything quiets down. He sits down in the chair, and the no, chair is like, "Fuck you." No, that chair is gonna collapse. Cool. Anyway, right. Yeah. Right. It's like this guy cannot win. Uh, this is this is his definitive film. Uh yes. Right. Sam it's hard Rainey's to argue. Definitive film. I think it's so hard to argue. because I think 
obviously I'm not even saying the Spider-Man movies are his peak right. of success, but right. they they belong to more than him, right? And he's, mm. he's achieved different mm. levels of success. Obviously, we're like simple plan is probably his most well reviewed critically respected sure. film at least at the time of release but this is the sam Raimi and i would experience. say a, a super good movie a wonderful movie i'm a very excited to rewatch. picture yeah i mean it's one of the reasons we've been eager to do him for so long is like you have these two trilogies on either end yeah that are so like important in sort of popular american culture and then right. in the middle there's this run where he's like should I make grown-up movies? And he does them very well. He does them very well, by He does much. everything good. Yeah. And I he, would agree. And he's always, like, you know, he got into horror kind of as a practicality. Yeah. Yeah. Because they were making weird... Yes. yes. We'll talk about it. Stooge right. style, right. goof-off Super 8 movies with right. each other. Yeah. No, no. I mean, obviously, that was their plan with the this comedy, the obviously, first one. was a big part of this... Well... I think movie. that's what makes this movie so definitive is like, a, as you said, out of practicality, Judge John Hodgman, Gentleman John Hodgman, co-creator in Star of Dicktown. I will, oh, I don't think I was going to oh, let that okay. slip. Thank you. Um, you I, let's to back up for a second here, actually, to back introduce up, you more properly. Back up for a second. Uh, uh, Dicktown, a wonderful TV show. Hey, thank you it very is. much. And I am, I'm biased because you have you're kindly employed me on it. You're in it. But I did tell you. And because, before I leave here today, yeah. I am going to break... My uh, disclosure agreement. I'm going to show you your, your episode because you're really good, in it, and I predict you're going to get an Emmy award. Wow! Which is kind of the best the award in TV. Right? John, I don't want to put pressure on you, but every time someone has predicted that, they have been so wrong. Wait, who's predicted? Like when? When has that happened? Uh, on the set of uh, Search Party. Mm, that yeah, my sure. big dinner party episode. I mean, it's a very good episode. Charles Rogers, friend of the show, past and future guest, was like, "I think you're going to win an Emmy for this." And I was like, "Charles, come on!" <laughs> the problem with and the question wasn't you, submitted. I think no, I was not. Submitted. Were you nominated? Oh, I, was I say, mean, the not, issue not, is well, then, I think it was not then they had no choice. The, you know, I'm a member of the Academy. Yes, I'm on the I'm on the group thread. Yeah, they were saying, "Where's Where's Griffin? Where's Griffin?" Yes. The I'm like, I don't know. We all wanted to vote for you. T- yes, TBS actor for in a comedy, it's like yeah. half SNL hosts. I know. You know, and then whatever. Well, and that know. show took a while to break out. Um, and then uh, Kevin Smith, another person will never be on this podcast. Literally four of the five nominees last year were SNL hosts. And then the other one was yeah, Morgan see, Freeman in the fucked, Kaminsky Method. fucked things up. Because it used to be... They used to be nominated for variety performance right, or whatever. Right. Like now it's all SNL. fucking hosts. I'm telling you, this is my prediction. Take okay. it to the bank. Yeah. Griffin Newman nominated. I'd love it as Lance. I'd love it in the eleven-minute episode, okay, known as the mystery of Lance's lesson. Hey, wow, Dicktown season two. I'm in two episodes this season. You are in two episodes, okay. but but I the, the, right your one big episode, episode yes. the one yes. you're the one you're being considered for. Yeah. Well, can I tell the, you who the nominees were for outstanding voice over performance last year at the? This Emmys? isn't going to be a voiceover because they're going to change the category. I'm just saying because I'm already running for Oracle. I'm af- I'm afraid of splitting votes. No, you're getting both. You're going to get okay. both. Let, I just it's so wild. I have to tell you last. This Please. is your competition. Obviously, okay. these are not voice divided by right. uh, gender. These are just right. It's voice one, performance. Right. So Maya Rudolph won for Big Mouth, which right. is a very fun performance. Yes. Sure. Um. Uh, then Stacey Abrams 
the uh, politician, you know, future uh, governor of Georgia, yeah. uh, Georgia politician, was nominated for Blackish. Apparently, she narrated the election special. I think. Okay. Julie Andrews was nominated for Bridgerton. Bridgerton, for which I guess does she being do the narrator? Some do narrating there. Yeah. Hey, Seth MacFarlane was nominated for Family Guy. Now he he voices various characters yes. on that show. That's for, a little more. Of oh, a really? Robust does he? performance. Oh, wait, yeah. for an old season of Family Guy? <laughs> no, for a current. No, that like, show is still on. Like the nineteenth season or yeah. whatever the hell it is. Wow. Um, and if you need to catch up, check out FXX any hey, hour of hey. any day. <laughs> All right. Sometimes you just slip a dick town in in a commercial break. Between when we found out that they were airing us on FXX yeah. at 10 p.m. on Thursdays. And it turns out it's not 10 p.m. In classic, because we were interrupting yeah. a noon to 2 a.m. <laughs> family guy block. <laughs> I remember when they launched FXX. Like it's perfect, you know. Alternative comedy can go yeah. here. Yeah. Then it was, oh, look, we couldn't be more thrilled. <laughs> yeah. To be joining the Family Guy family. Yeah. On FXX. In so fact, we're on. And in the in the in the tradition of Family Guy on FXX, we're not only on at ten. Same episode ten thirty. Same episode eleven. Oh, we got wow. a, we got a threefer. Wow. You just do it every over Thursday and, over. in March. Wow. That's what I'm saying. And you're and out then, of you're and out then of Hulu cake. the next day. You're not a slice of cake. Not anymore. a slice of cake anymore. No, you're not in cake. the cake no, thing. Solid dick down. A little difficult to communicate. I felt they were our incubator and our home. I I like cake. By the way, Dick Town would not exist. Let me. I love Dick Town, and I liked watching Cake as a whole. I would watch the full episodes. Right. But I understand from your position, it was hard to be like, "Here's my new show. It's part of a different show. It's part of a different show." And uh, if you Google the name of that show, right, you will see a picture of a birthday cake. (laughs) Right. Uh, And if you Google Cake FX, it might be a cake with some sparklers on it. That's true, but. The cake was very good to us. It was, and yeah, now I, we have our own. And I thought there were many good things block on, in the Family Guy block. block. Yeah, can, I, can I finish Thursdays the nominees? Please. Please. Sorry. <laughs> yes, sorry, Thank you. my plug is over. Always so two playing. of these already for me don't count because they're Medallion not animation. Now they're, they're, they're it should be its own it's live more action a, voiceover. Let's category. get Stacey Abrams and Emmy Nom right. Um, and then so two actors from Central Park, which is the Lauren Bouchard show. I've never seen it. Okay, Stanley Tucci, Stanley Tucci, and Titus Burgess. Okay. Uh, but I haven't watched that show. That's an Apple TV, yeah. right? Uh, and then Jessica Walter getting a posthumous nomination for Archer. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, which that's... I don't she think she'd ever gotten before. Not Yeah, had never yeah. gotten before. That was last year? That's last year's oh, my voiceover. Rudolph my, Rudolph my Rudolph was the They snubbed Jessica Walter. Yeah. They, and they rude. snubbed Michael K. Williams. Last year's Emmys were pretty fucking rude. Well, wow. you know, it's sort of this thing of like, it's like we what come happened from with... the House of Archer. Dicktown comes from sure, absolutely. You've sure. got this similar yeah, right. visual style. I didn't know this. That's very upsetting. Yeah. But I mean, like, it's what happened with Chadwick Boseman, where it's like yeah. you can want to have your nice moment. I don't want to talk right. about that. But like, at the end of the day, it's, so it's, it's you thousands and I of voters. So many like, texts you, about it's that. hard to control. I don't want like, I, I really lost control on Twitter, and it was like, oh, I remember you actually were. I was so upset. About you were inconsolable it. about yeah. it. Well, you, not you, a lot of people were trying to console me. No, but a you, lot of people were trying to tell me that I was an a hole. I did not. But you were texting me and you were like, "Explain to me how this could possibly happen." <laughs> you were like, "I want your insight into how this." We could don't have need happened. to talk about I, this if, if yeah. Rip John does worth it. Oh, so I had no idea that people in England, in particular, would get so mad at me. Mm. For suggesting that Anthony Hopkins, who are like, you know, that it's an acting contest, right? I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. 
Like there's no there's no technical KO in acting. <laughs> like, right. there's, there's not a point system. It's you just judges holding choice. up. Like, <laughs> but that's the thing. That's yeah. the thing about it is it's it's the same with even you know the Olivia Coleman win or whatever. Yes. The less shocking, but like right. where everyone's like, oh, Glenn Close will win, so they're just looking at their ballot and they're like, well, she's winning. I'll just I'll just for the person I like, you know, like or I, I'll right. just you know. Oh yeah, no, everyone right. Everyone it's, knew it's just funny right, when quote, that unquote, happened. that Chadwick Boseman was going to win, right. so. It was it was a very interesting thing that happened. Now we look. We've set up many threads here. Here's one I'm going to try to tie back in. Yeah, okay? that's right. This right now, it's um, real messy yarn. People probably love it. These sick fucks. Um, <laughs> you uh, reach out to me. Uh, yeah, reach Dicktown out to Cook you. Crib with yeah. David Rees, the great David Rees, the great past David future Reese. guest of the show. Absolutely. Uh, and you said, like, we, we produced this season. We didn't know if it would be part of Cake or FX or when they placed us in the lineup. They just told us it's premiering much sooner than we thought. We need to right. go out and promote things. Can we do anything on the podcast? We don't need to do anything. We you want, want to. You want. You're proud I of the show. We want to share the it's news with the world right. about the thing that we made in love and yes. features you. Right. Yes. Because so, we like you. We thank And you, you David, and I you, like Lynn, too. No. Like your your characters were cut. Uh, I'll be on the show if you want me. I'm but, not very good actor. Like, we want to promote it. Mm. And I said, you know, we record semi-far in advance. Right. We plan out even I further there was in no advance. Hope. I knew there was no hope. Right. You left a voicemail, which has now been played at this point. Thank you. Thank and you, you said, just in case no anything problem. shakes loose, I want to remind you that I was Bruce Campbell's literary. Agent. I didn't need yeah. reminding. I remember that very I well. I knew this about Riffin you, but I had forgotten. Remember, but I had forgotten. And you went, I got a lot of thoughts. I could talk a lot about... From what I told you, from what I remember you telling me, it wasn't just that you had done, the, but that you were the one who pitched him. You were right. the one who like had the idea, kind of, and right? Like you brought him in. And that thing that sort of, in a lot of ways, changed his career where people were like, he sold those numbers? There's that level of fan base well, for this you guy? Know, I don't even know if what we talked about is going to stay in with regard to nerd power. Was, did we talk about that on mic? I don't know. The Lord of the Rings? No, that was no, off. No, that was yeah, off mic. No, right, that was no, off no. mic. Before we got here, yeah. we were talking about the year 2000. Yes, yes. Lord of the Rings was about to come out, and I was doing some writing for magazines at that time, mm-hmm. I, as uh, having sunsetted from my position as a professional literary agent at mm-hmm. Writer's House, a major literary agency in mm-hmm. New York City. Yeah. Have you heard of Twilight? <laughs> yes, I yeah. have. Yeah, we know jo- that one. Jody Reamer at uh, Writer's House. You're welcome. Yeah. Saved publishing. <laughs> Literally saved publishing. Yeah. Anyway... When I was writing, like doing some write-ups of Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. like off, off uh, camera, off the books, yeah. off the record, publicists were saying like, "This is going to be terrible." Hum- hum- real humans don't care about hobbits. Like the movies, they'll just go over like a lead brick, or like a yeah. lead brick or right. a lead. I don't even know if there's another Balloon. lead thing that you could even talk about. I, right. I, it felt It'd like- be taking Coles to Newcastle. Sure, I I had only read The Hobbit at that point. I had friends who loved the books, right? But I felt like the consensus was uh, diehard fans largely saying they're going to fuck this up, right? It's going right. to suck. Well, diehard fans have always hated Tolkien. Of course. I mean, the fact is people who love Die, die Hard are not Tolkien fans. <laughs> this is very true. Uh, the John McClaners of the world. It's a huge rivalry. It goes back huge. all the way huge. to 1988. Which is funny because both franchises are defined by barefoot protagonists walking across very difficult That's terrains. True. That's um, true. But, uh, but then I think Die Hard fans were also I like, have a ring now. Ho, ho, ho. Right. Yeah, right. Die Hard fans are like, they're going to fuck up these things we love. And also the normies are going to hate this. And then the thing we love is going to be associated with some fucking flop. 
right. that doesn't even represent what we love. And the fact that it there was, was suspicion like, on both sides, everyone was just like, this can't work and it's going right. to be embarrassing and it's going to make it more difficult to make any movies like this ever again. And at the, at the same time, yeah. so flashback a few years earlier, right? Young John Hodgman has gotten a promotion from the reception desk to the third floor at Writer's House, working for Susan Ginsberg, my my mentor, okay, an incredible literary agent, mm-hmm. one of one of the most fun places to work, uh, except the worst place in the world for me to work because I knew I didn't want to do it for a living. Sure, and I was too scared to leave. Right. But one way I made it fun for myself was we got the internet mid nineties. Mm. Sure, it came. The sun came up. <laughs> And nothing was ever bad again. That's right. In the 1990s, we thought the world got fixed with that internet. (laughs) Window open. And once we had relatively high-speed internet, the first things I altavistaed at the time Mm -hmm. were, of course, my name, Zero Hits. Right. Went to Lycos, nothing there. Not even Lycos. Ask, Excite. Ask Jeeves. Jeeves said no. Jeeves shut the door. Jeeves shut the door on me. Not admitted. And then... I probably searched Blade Runner because that's what it did. Go fetch. Was that something? Could have been. Possibly. There was I mean, a dog one. Web, I'm trying to remember. In 1999, someone's like, if it isn't a thing, I'll give yeah. you $1 million on the yeah, spot exactly. for it. Gofetch.org? Oh, and, yeah. and then I Googled Bruce Campbell yeah. because I loved Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Jonathan Colton and I both loved Bruce Campbell. I was an Evil Dead person. He mm-hmm. was a Briscoe County Adventure. I was about to say, was it just Evil Dead or was it Briscoe sure. County? Or yeah. what, what else What else would have... And, and years and years before... My high school friend, Nick McCarthy, mm-hmm. who is a movie director whom you should know and have on the podcast at some point, uh, he directed a horror movie called The Pact. Oh, yes, yes. And yeah. um, and others. Uh-huh. Uh, he hosted, he would have friends over to his house mm-hmm. to stay up all night and watch bad movies and mm-hmm. showed us The Evil Dead. This is before Evil Dead 2 came out. Sure. And initiated us into the cult of Bruce Campbell. Yeah. And many, many other movies and filmmakers that... Are really important still to me today. It was like a, a master class. He felt like a turnkey. <laughs> it was like a no-dose master class, 3 a.m. He watching. felt like a turnkey in that period where it's like, do you know Bruce Campbell? Yeah. Like, right. if you get Bruce Campbell, right. you're right. sort of, like, locked into... And, you know, what a lot of the internet was at that point right. was weirdos and yeah. oddballs and nerds who had existed on different planets, except mm-hmm. when they would get together at conventions, were now sending pings out into the darkness and finding each other. Right. It's still exciting, too. Yeah. You mean a like So you know, you like Bruce Campbell? I like Bruce right. Campbell. Right. Right. And, right. And Bruce Campbell's career at this point is such an interesting place because it's like daytime syndicated genre shows aside... He is primarily a regularly working character actor in big budget movies where right. you're like that guy. He plays like smug assholes or slicksters or whatever. Right. And then to a certain subsection, you're like, do you know that he's like, he's a movie star? He's a leading man. Yeah. That guy showing up in a movie feels like fucking Sean Connery walking onto a submarine or whatever. I mean, that was I right. mean, essentially what became the pitch for the book. Right. Which I think started as Confessions of a B-Movie Actor. Yes. Yep. And then... Right. Due to a due to a fan contest, mm-hmm. Bruce chose uh, one of several hundred submitted titles. Yeah, and he chose some fan submitted title, which was "If Chins Could Kill," right? Which is a very funny title because of yeah, because of his pronounced chin. But yeah. the pitch was, you don't know who this is, right? I would say, I you know, you don't know who this is, you know. But if you go to a hotel where there is a horror movie convention or a science fiction movie convention, in the lobby, he's a shemp. He's a nobody. He's a yeah. nothing. Right. In the convention hall, he's Elvis. He's the king of the world. And was, he moves between those two worlds. I was watching this movie last night with someone who had never seen it before. 
And her immediate thing was like, who is this guy? What happened to this guy? Right. And I was like, first of all, you've seen him in like probably you've 40 seen him things. In stuff. And I was saying the same thing to my wife. I was right. like, you know, I remember Spider-Man. He's the right. theater usher, right? You know, come on. You know him. And she was like, I guess so. But like, right. he is one of those faces that and you might still, not be able to put a name to. I mean, right. he's at the apex of his recognizability right. now. Yes. And there's still tons of people right. who would be like, right. oh, but she was sure. just like, this right. guy is like, he's really handsome. Like every scene she'd go like, he's like very good looking. He's oh, like real, very and charismatic. Never more, I mean, sorry, Bruce, but never more oh. fucking beautiful than in this he's movie. He's so very, beautiful, very beautiful in this movie. The, like, the shock pretty. of him in yeah. the first Evil Dead where he's so baby faced and right. handsome is, but this is definitely. Oh, it's crystalline. And right. when when they start doing the blood makeup where it's like, he goes from being messy to just like only cuts that would accentuate his bone right. structure. Right, he's got one blood drip yeah. down the middle of his forehead and one hot. on his a cheekbone, right? But, but it, so it, it makes him look. So angular. the question asked was: So he, he didn't really the career didn't pan out off of this. And I'm like, it did in this weird way where it's like he never stops working. Right. He's had a lot of success. He's worked with great directors, big projects, and whatever. He had a fucking hit TV show uh, several times over. Uh, Burn Notice was like fucking humongous for him and all right. this shit. But I was like, th- the main thing you need to understand is. This is the original king of the conventions. Yeah, right. This is the original, not only guy to be treated like royalty there, but to like own it and not be like to know how to work. I hate that I'm doing this. Right. Right. He was not there. He was. He's a pure enthusiast. Yes. I mean, knowing him a little bit as I do, everything that you see on screen is him. Like he is totally into the work that he does. He's totally got a corny sense of humor that is very genuine and very funny. Right. Um, He is totally dedicated to. Uh, getting beat up by Sam Raimi right. and then he uh, do whatever Sam Raimi tells him to do since they were, you know, teenagers together in Michigan. Yeah. And at the point that I put Bruce Campbell into the into the world to see what came back, there were a couple of Bruce Campbell fan sites, mm-hmm. and then there was Bruce Campbell's site. Yeah. Right. And, early. Yeah, and Bruce Campbell was writing like set reports from the set of McHale's Navy. Yeah. With uh, uh, one of Ben's favorite, Ben just lit. Holly uh, <laughs> Shore? No, it's, no, uh, that's uh, that's Tom Arnold. Yeah, Tom, Tom Arnold. Arnold. Sorry, Tom Down Periscope is Kelsey Grammer. Oh. You like both of them, right? Yes, I do. Yeah. Yes, I was getting sure. And stories about like filming Mikhail's Navy and what it was like to be on set, and then like stories about following a fox down the road on his bicycle. And but this is like working you, actor stuff, right? You thought the book was going to be this is for people who are sort of. Like, oh, I've never thought about what it's like to be this type of actor. He's worked with big movie stars. He has some funny anecdotes. I don't need to well, be a fan of Well, my point of view wasn't right. that. My point of view is this fucking Bruce Campbell right. responded to my email. I guess your, your bosses, that's what you had to pitch them on, right? You're, you understand his Well, they didn't power. care. I'm like, I could sure. do whatever. I could go out and humiliate myself trying to sell this <laughs> to editors. They didn't care. Their sure. job was to support me, and boy, did they. Yeah. It was no they, – they lost nothing but my time. Right. Right. By by encouraging me to do this, yeah, and this was at a time where I, the th- the big the thing that saved publishing in the mid '90s before there was an un, a, a, a a fantasy series that I will not name mm-hmm. um, was the celebrity book, yeah, and huge advances were just being thrown the, the at anyone, on. yes, who had a who had been on a sitcom, right? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, or anyone who had any profile whatsoever, yeah. And so I knew that I wasn't delusional. I knew that Bruce Campbell was what made Bruce Campbell special was that he had this cadre of people who knew who he was, and then a broader world who didn't. Right. Mm-hmm. And what Bruce was very 
from the beginning, very open about talking about is what is it like to be a B movie actor? Right. right. Not just a working actor who's been in a lot of things or a working character right. actor, but someone who's been in a lot of movies that people think very poorly about, yes. like uh, uh, Kabuki Cop. Sure. Or Maniac Cop, I think he was. Yes, I'm not yes, sure yes. He was yes. Maniac Cop. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, not, back not when Not to be were, confused with uh, Sergeant Kabuki Man and YPD. Exactly. That's the one I was yes. kind of confused right. But, you know, back, back when there were still video cassette rental places, straight-to-video movies, a real B-movie B- enterprise that Bruce was known within because of his connection with the Evil Dead. Yeah. Mind Warp. Mind oh, Warp. That's, that's sort yeah. of an iconic 90s straight-to-video movie. And right? he was not ashamed to talk about what it was like to be a B-movie actor. And I thought, okay, this is great. This is a something of a celebrity. I'm going to hit, hit it big with this. And yeah. my hero put his faith in me to go and sell this book around town, mm-hmm. and no one wanted to touch it. Yeah, No one was interested. They didn't know who he was, and when I explained it to them, they they, they vowed to forget what I told them. <laughs> <laughs> and when I said... <laughs> this memory leaves this office when you walk in. Yeah, and, and, and when I said my thing about how he's the, you know, in a, in a horror movie convention or a fan convention... You know, he's he's a nobody on on in the lobby, sure. but a but the king of the floor. A great pitch. They they great, were like, yeah. yeah, but we don't like those people. Right, right. those people disturb us, and yeah, they don't. It was right, pure yeah. distaste right. for yeah, them. Yeah. And I'd I don't like, recall no, no, no. saying good luck. They like, give you the I don't recall let, saying. Let good me luck. explain this. <laughs> let me explain this to you. Like, <laughs> what those people do when they go to those conventions is they buy things, right? And they buy things. Right. In the dealer's area, yeah. And they go and wait for hours to Bruce to for Bruce to sign them, yeah. You know, figurines and posters and headshots yeah. and whatever. And Bruce, if Bruce had a book for sale in that dealer's area, you will sell copies at conventions alone. It will right. just, it will right. sell. And they're like, right. we don't like these people. Right. We don't like these people was the reason for not. And yeah. these yeah. were people who were, you know, there was one round of publishing, there was one round of submissions where I went to people who published genre right science fiction and fantasy and other type stuff who i thought would get it they got it but their perception was these are these are horrible ogres that we sell stuff to that right. we have no respect for <laughs> it almost feels like look in a very different way like the wedding industry being like wait a second if we let gay people get married right. you know it's just like why are we not letting they're gonna spend more buy more go right. bigger who, who ended up buying this book saint just... martin's press okay now yeah. now mcmillan mm-hmm. right that was the weirdness of this moment. There's like a shift over the course of five years where obviously by the time you get to like Spider-Man coming out, right? right. When you're post Lord of the Rings of 2002, all these A legacy media companies are like, we want nerd money. Right. Up until then, it was like that money is dirty. Right. I, I think it partially they were like, it's not big enough business. And secondarily, they're like, those people. It's, ta- it's tawdry. It's tawdry. And so much of the convention association is still like fucking Shatner saying, get a life, right? Yeah. It's like, if you're doing a convention, you're either resentful of the fact that you're there. Right. And you have contempt for the fans who care about what you're doing. Right. Or you're like pathetic. You're sort of like a sad sack washed up has been. And that's what they think of. And they're like, who are these obsessive fans who want to meet Right. Whomever. And I was so I was so humiliated and and devastated yeah. because Bruce said I you know, I was twenty four years old or twenty five, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I'd met with his manager and his manager's like, Who are you? And I'm <laughs> like, Well, I'm a fan. He's like, Ugh. 
And Even his fans like, I hate you, people. His managers. <laughs> One of no, those. No, he's looking out for his client. <laughs> no, no, he's 100%, like, 100%. 100%. You know, Bruce, uh, Bruce has had an offer to do this major miniseries on HBO, and uh, he turned it down because he promised Rob Taper to do an extra episode of Xena. Ugh. So uh, he generally just does what he wants to do. So good luck right. to you. And I, and well, so. Did eight episodes and, of Xena. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, uh, what was it? Jack of All Trades? Is that what it was called? Jack of All Trades was the right. spinoff of right. Xena. Right. right. What was the name yeah. of his character in Xena? Don't, don't, I have to remember don't this. Tell don't, don't tell, tell. Me. I mean, I, I can tell you that it was a, you know, a figure of myth. No, no, he was a thief. In Jack of all trades, he was. No, no, in Xena, he was a well, thief. Well, according to this, he played Atoclus. Atoclus. Yeah, on Xena, he was Atoclus. Yes, he was Atoclus. Yes, that's right. I've never seen Xena. Who, by the way, you know, worlds colliding. Yeah. My best friend, Jonathan Colton's younger sister, was an actor at the time, and she was on Xena and Bruce, and she had a kissing scene. Oh. It was wild. Wow. But, you know, Bruce Bruce gave it his all. He came to New York. He yeah. took meetings. We would walk down the street. And that's a guy who can work a room. Like, this is why he's totally. built this reputation at conventions. Totally. He makes everyone feel like they're the most special person and in the like, world. And, like, on, ev- on right. every subway car, there was one person who was like, mm-hmm. Yep. Giving I, the nod. Mm-hmm. I know. You know, like right. every and every now and then someone would just come up to him and go, mm-hmm, I really loved you in this. And yeah. he's like, oh, thanks a lot, man. And then we were walking down the street and the, and it's New York City and someone's walking the other direction and he just starts going, Aries, Aries, Aries. And Bruce kind of was like, what's going on? He says, oh. That guy thinks I'm Aries, who's a different character on Xena. Right. He was like, I know you're on Xena. <laughs> right. Right. And he goes, ah, that guy thinks I'm Aries. <laughs> and then a f- like 30 seconds later, you could almost hear the guy's brain click in and he just right. called back, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, he didn't hear Bruce say that. He just realized, oh, well. <laughs> Aries, of course, played by Kevin Smith, not the oh, uh, sure, sure. the um, uh, filmmaker, but right. the, the, the guy who was on Xena and Hercules and all yeah. the big, yeah. big New Zealand yeah, actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, uh, you know. I forgot Jack of All Trades was in, it was doubled with t- Cleopatra 2025. 2525, right. sorry. Yes. After Xena they were a pair. ended, or they built, yeah. they were yeah. building out that Saturday power block. They had that they block. Had, right, the power block, yes. Yeah, they yeah. had Hercules, they had uh, Xena. Right. And then they... Then they took another hour, and I think they did two half hours. This was Rob yeah. Taper, the the co-producer of Evil yes. Dead, Evil Dead, Ramy's old friend and mm-hmm. Bruce's old friend. Yeah, and they did husband Jack of, of Lucy Trace. Lawless, husband of Lucy Lawless. Yeah. True enough. And then they did Cleopatra twenty twenty five with the woman who was then in um, uh, Firefly and um, Gina Torres. Gina Torres. Yeah. That's right, star of Cleopatra. So incredible. Twenty five, twenty five, twenty five, twenty five. A great title. I mean, it's a great title. It doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. You have to say no. 25 twice, yeah. but it is fun. And yeah. Jack of All Trades, was he was a scoundrel yes. in yes. the West Indies during pirate times. Yes. This is, pre, yes. this is pre-Pirates of the Caribbean. But he was also way, an American secret agent sent by Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> there was a lot oh, of... So he's kind of a... He's a scoundrel and a double agent? Yeah. Right. They were and they're pouring a lot to, of concept. Into yeah. They're trying to stop Napoleon. How would I describe it? It's like this guy's good at multiple things. <laughs> right? He's sort of Almost like... Almost countless things. <laughs> <of that. laughs> yeah. right. He's sort of like a... Um, 
Yeah. Master of most. But Bruce never got deterred. Like, yeah. Hearn Troyer now, is Napoleon Bonaparte? Fuck. Yeah, right. There you go. Oh, my goodness. Uh, but like, yes, yeah. he was a guy who had, like, it always felt like he had immense pride in what he did. Right. And yeah. I realize now, like, his experience of taking within the woods around mm-hmm. to try to pitch it to make Evil Dead. Yeah. Like he had, and Sam had been through the, this kind of ringer a million times before. Right. So was it embarrassing and humiliating to me that he would go into these rooms and wow these people and then they would be like, no, we're not going to do this book. <laughs> right. Definitely. Was it to him? I don't know. But finally, someone like me, my counterpart at St. Martin's mm-hmm. was given the okay by his upper, you know, his bosses who didn't like whatever to offer a little bit of money. Yeah. And it was very satisfying because the book did really well. That's I mean, the it thing. did really well. Right. That's the thing. As, I mean, there you go. I mean, and you're tapping into a thing that, of course, everyone then figured out, which is like, oh, this is a huge yeah, passionate they, audience. Right. Like, you, right. know, you, you know, you were just figuring out something. Yeah, that's that, exactly basically when I quit. When I quit right. being a literary agent. But I remember, I, I don't know if it was like a full article or it was a, a write-up as part of some larger piece or whatever it was. But like Entertainment Weekly writing about like Bruce Campbell is the most popular actor on the internet. Like sort of mm-hmm. this phenomenon of like who do you believe is the most popular, has the most fans on his site or the most right. search results or whatever. And it's like not Tom Cruise. Right. The guy the internet loves is Bruce Campbell. And this right. book outsold all expectations. And everyone had to like sort of step back and reckon with this guy of like his audience is much bigger than we thought it was. And I don't know whether that changed a, a lot of minds in a global sense. I mean, I think the success of the Lord of the Rings but these really brought all things building around. blocks towards yeah. this thing. As we're talking right. about this shift from this like ninety eight to two thousand two, right? Where it just goes from like this is a thing you have to be a little embarrassed about to like we are just we're in the actively business of going this. after this audience, right? right. And now the and entertainment now the industry whole is nothing else. Like there's the, to the exclusion of all else. And right. if we don't make them happy, we're right. going to be murdered we, in our we beds. We were talking right before we recorded about the new Batman movie <laughs> and how like any Batman movie is now beholden to the expectations of what fans want out of a Batman movie. Right. Like, and they can't yeah. like, and when, when Christopher Nolan dropped the photos of Heath Ledger right. as the Joker, the fan community was like, no, Furious. Not acceptable. Right. Which is Not funny okay. considering he had already won them over with Batman yes. Begins. Like that yes. movie had gone over so right. splendidly. Right. And people were so excited about like, and this so guy's going to do the Joker. You think they'd the give him a little cool rope. No. Right. And right. then they were they like, gave well, zero wait a second. Right. Right. But it was still a time, I think, when the director and the studio would be like, yeah. no, we'll throw you a curveball. You right. have to catch it. Yeah. Like, and, now, and it turned out to be such an important you know, the other thing with the Ledger Joker is, like, there had only been the Jack Nicholson Joker. Mm-hmm. There was right. a little more of the expectation of, like, are you going to, you know, come at Boy, that? Wow. Like, erasure erasure like, of Mark Hamill. Wow. Well, well, but I freak, no, wowie. I'm on, on, in, look, wowie zowie, but, as we but, say but on Dicktown Thursdays at 10 on FX. <laughs> Great show. This is, this is a I, point, though, is that, like, Cesar Romero, Mark Hamill, and Jack Nicholson were all in the same orbit. They were They were all doing theatrical crown right. prince sort of big right. energy show. Beyond, that's true, right? And obviously right. the Ledger Joker was being presented as this grunchy. But, like, and I'm Joker, just saying, Joker, the character, was very much, at that point, locked in a mode yes which was in that mode. H- high yeah. comedic villainy right. but scary but yeah right. but now it's like why haven't i gotten a new joker this year yes. I, I, i'm trying right. to say it's not just that the mindset has changed from like how dare you try and do the joker now it's like i can't believe you're not giving me more i need a joker, <laughs> all joker. i need multiple jokers i need joker casting rumors right. i need the whole engine to be constantly well, spinning now, out jokers but now now i think i understand and a then little the bit movie better where they all meet right. you know? 
Joker they have sandwiches together and right. compare Jokerness. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand better now than I did, not just then when I was trying to sell the Bruce Campbell book, but like for the years later when I would tell the story about the contempt yeah. that editors, particularly within the genre genre, sure, science fiction and fantasy and mm. comic books and stuff, genre. had for those fans right. where I was like, these are the bad guys. And they were. Yeah. But also, I understand a little bit more now, like dealing with this fan base routinely and regularly has its challenges. Yes. Sure. They are, they are, they can embrace something and then they can get really they can, mad. They can yeah. And you, you can be yeah. at the, uh, yeah, you know, no, you for can, sure. You could be standing but, in their way and um, yeah. feel very uncomfortable. But at the time you're talking about, there was still that suggestion. Do not, that- do not. Do not get in the way of Anthony Hopkins fans. Well, oh, no. I mean, Boy. you know, when he wins his second Academy Award, do not get in their way. Hopskers, what do they call themselves? Ant, ant heads, ant, ant men, ant men. Um, uh, where it was like, if they just throw us a bone in the Joel Schumacher movie, I'll be. You know what I mean? Like, right. you didn't even want a quote unquote faithful right. Batman, but you're like, right. just, just wink at me, please. Like, you know, I know out. you have right. to make this movie it's enough for that everybody. It's a Batman. Right. Right. right, yeah, but if you could just maybe toss in a little reference, I'll get, you know, it'll tickle me. I'll, right, but I'll it's go like, okay, happy. John Glover's scientist character who mm. gets killed by poison ivy is named Dr. Woodrow, who's the villain in Swamp Thing. Right. And it's like, nothing will come of that. But it's like, oh, his character man. Oh, well, my friend. You know, just remember. A little tickle for me. My heart know? just grew two sizes. Yeah. And now, of course, the, the Bat fans, I'm sure there's a cadre that are like, if, if, uh, Matt Reeves in the next Batman movie doesn't give us nipples on the bat suit. We're going to burn down I Warner Brothers. I'm pro. Bring him back. Bring him back. Get the Why nips not? back. Uh, His uh, nips must be chafing. Anyway, Bruce rubber? Campbell. Yeah, all right. Sorry. Yes, Bruce Campbell. No, I, I think this, this movie is in so many ways, I think because of that becomes such a defining moment of like this bridge between like, nerd culture and popular culture and to speak to what you were saying about his not being embarrassed by yes. his status as a b-movie actor or horror mm-hmm. movie, however you want to say it cult actor yeah. he i went to a convention with him at the new yorker hotel mm-hmm. um actually I, th- I think this is before we even sold the book i was trying to get video of him at a convention to show yeah. to people and we also recorded a piece for this american life about him <laughs> Uh, which was, I think, still on their archives, yeah. if you want to listen to it. Mm-hmm. It captures a moment in time. And he took the stage. This was in 1999, I mm-hmm. guess. And he took the stage and was doing Q&A and loving it up. And he, someone asked about Spider-Man because it was in production or Raimi at least had been announced. I don't remember. And he was like, I want you all to know you have nothing to be afraid of. This is your man. If you want a, a great Spider-Man movie, Sam Raimi knows Spider-Man. Sam Raimi loves Spider-Man. Right. Yeah. Bruce vouched for Sam Raimi in that moment, and to a degree, like, yeah, this Evil Dead Two is kind of the definitive Sam Raimi movie, right? But Sam Sam Raimi's making Spider Man in a Sam Raimi mode, yes, it's huge. It's a kind of an alchemy that changed culture forever. Absolutely, it did. absolutely, it did. and it that, changed everything. That is the movie we'll that, in that, in so many ways, right, casts like Sam Raimi getting Spider Man yes. and being willing to yep. get Spider Man right. right. to bring that vision to Spider Man and doing it in a way that was would not have seemed like a obvious, traditionally cool approach to that character. Right. You know? Yes, right. not trying to modernize or whatever. We'll talk, I mean, but again, also, we'll him talk getting that job, period, was just mm. like, you look back on it, you're like, it's so insane that they hired him. It doesn't feel it didn't like, feel you don't want to give them the credit for that courage. It's it's a fair Matt point. Matt Tolmach at Sony Pictures. Yeah. 
because he was coming off the reason. Well, again, we will talk about it in the course of this miniseries. But yeah, he's coming off four grown-up movies, none of which had quite hit. Like all of which had done fine, right? But none of like Quick and the Dead, Simple Plan, For the Love of the Game, The Gift, right? Were all kind of like singles or doubles. And they were were what you call movies, right? They're movies. They played in your Cineplex. They made forty million bucks. He's a picture maker. It's fine. And his movie stars are in them. His earlier pulpier movies, he never had something that had the big breakout crossover. He had things that like built and built and built. Like it is weird that at this, the point he gets hired to Spider Man, it's almost because the fervency around the Evil Dead trilogy has built over twenty years. I think you're probably right. Right, where they're like, we're going to gain so much credibility with the fans if we hire this guy, even though his last four films do not feel like the run-up to a Spider-Man movie. And he had made Darkman, which was a superhero movie without a a franchise superhero in it. Right. But, I mean, very much a... Of the the DNA of his what we call it's an audition it's, or whatever right, exactly yeah. right it was his revenge movie for not getting to make the shadow that ends up secretly being an audition movie for Spider Man oh interesting I didn't I mean, know we'll, that we'll we'll do oh, our whole oh, Dark Man okay, episode right, that right. was his whole fucking thing that movie is like a jilted breakup movie of it's like, like right the shadow right. with the intensity dialed yeah, up right um, um, yeah. but but so much of I think this movie's weird place culturally is just like you want to talk about genre. Not just in film itself, but also Bruce Campbell's performance. This movie's like undefinable. That is what makes it so electric. Right. It is so destabilizing. Yes. Because it, I mean, obviously, horror and DNA share, I mean, horror horror and comedy comedy share DNA. Right. It's a cliche to say it on a podcast. Yeah. But going into this, when I saw it, just because it had laugh lines, I didn't know how to. I have been trained to watch bad movies by Nick McCarthy and to laugh at them. Right. You think this is goofy. Right. If I'm laughing, it's because this Evil is Evil Dead was not about. goofy. Like when we watched right. Evil Dead, we were just like, Bleh. Right. Bleh. It's harrowing. It's, it's like it's harrowing. Yes. Yeah. yes. But so many of those other movies that Nick would screen on those right. cheesathons is what he called them. Right. Were they were they were being played for laughs. And, and like earnest young actors with half written characters trying their hardest right. to like fill, you know, a very shallow bag. Right. With feeling, and you get these odd line readings that horror fans become obsessed with, or whatever. Right. And here's a guy who has this very precise control of tone as an actor. Yes. A, not the kind of guy you usually plays at the center of the horror movies. Right. It's almost always like dumb jock boyfriend who gets killed off early, and right. the woman becomes the sort of steely final girl survivor. Right. So here's like the doofusy guy. Right. Who is like owning being the doofus. Right. And is playing up the comedy. Right. And 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 committing pretty earnestly to it, but giving you like just enough of a wink, not to deflate the thing. Yeah. But to be like, I'm having fun. And the right. camera loves him too. The I mean the camera just loves him. I mean he looks like That's the thing that came to me on this rewatch. Yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, he's just he's like that's he's a matinee idol. Like this guy yeah. interrupt me all the yeah. fucking one. Yeah. No, no, no. You're I mean he's he's just gorgeous. Yeah. And I, mean, I feel I don't mean like to sound, you know, yeah. slobbery over here. But, he's just a yeah. handsome man. No, and the and the that Sam Raimi knows his face. They grew up together. Yes. That's true. He knows his face. He loves his face. He knows right. how to shoot Bruce Campbell's face. There are certain like the shot where Bruce Campbell turns to the camera and laughs when the whole room is yes. laughing at him right. is iconic. There's so many iconic. I mean, Groovy is an iconic. Yeah. Sure. Uh, I'm trying very hard not to say face shot. What are we looking? At? Close up. Yes. Yeah. 
But Groovy he, is a very iconic close-ups, close up. one shot, you know, whatever. You know, whatever. image of image of like iconic image of Bruce Campbell's face right. looking like a, a, a to quote uh, uh, Jonathan Ames, a demented god. Right. Um, all of the moments, like the like, I was thinking of how. Kurosawa loves to cheer Mifune's face and knows how to yes. shoot it yeah. and find things just in the face right. without even the acting. Well, and then on top of that, Kimball is so expressive, right? He doesn't just have this beautifully yeah. constructed face. Right. He's so expressive. He's got such a range of what he can communicate on his face. And because he is such a like, he comes at everything with the mind of a filmmaker, not just a performer. Yeah. Not only does Raimi know where to place the camera and how to shoot him, but he knows how to play to a camera so fucking well. Right. He's in such control of being right. in front of a camera, in front of a lens, being in a movie, you know? And yet, like, here's the thing. And Bruce, if you're listening to this, I hope I hope you take this the right way. Sure. Or uh, anonymous tweeter of the Garfield account. Uh-huh. If you tell Bruce to listen to this, let him know. They're yeah. friends. He's a he's a cornball. He's a goof. Yeah, that's what makes Bruce so destabilizing too. Like he is so handsome. He's such a leading man. Right. But he's inside. He's he's a goofball. But even in and a, there are moments yes. where, you know, I'm watching this for the first time at the age of 16 when it came into theaters. Which, by the way, I never expected I would see an Evil Dead sequel. Sure. Do you know what I mean? It was six years after the first movie. So, but you had seen Evil Dead one. I had seen and, Evil Dead one, and, and one day I opened up the Boston Globe and and to read what movies were coming out. Yeah. I was like Evil Dead two, like that was so. It was such a. I'm trying to think of an a, a, an analogy. It would be Did like. Did it have the poster image, or were you just yeah. seeing? Right, right. It was the, the fucking skull, skull with the eyeballs. Right. Yeah. 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 Dead by dawn. Uh, sorry, your analogy. But it was like it would be like if it were if you if you opened up a. The movie pages mm. in a newspaper. None of these things exist anymore. Sure, <laughs> which is also weird. Like newspapers what am I themselves doing? practically yeah. don't yeah. exist. Yes, but it was like if you discovered that they were showing at the part two of Ralph Bakshi's Lord of the Rings, right? right. Today they right. made it. Right. You didn't know. Right. They never announced it. It That's just right. exists. There's no Entertainment Weekly yet. There's no one here to keep tabs on what's in right. production for you. There's no you. bloody right. disgusting link like, that's getting I guess you could be reading like Fangoria. Maybe that would be how you would get that I guess news. that would be true. That would be like, true. I, right. I was like, and I called Nick and he's like, did you know about this? He's like, no. We went to go see it. Yeah. And seeing that movie in a theater for the first time was like, what am I watching? Right. Because the Evil Dead gave you no hint what was going to happen in Evil Dead 2 right. in terms of the shift in tone. Yes. Which is immediate. And I'll say this, right. being trained to watch bad movies for laughs, right? Yeah. There's a lot of bad movie in this movie. Yes. It's corny. But it's owning. It's like oh, it is. weaponizing. Absolutely. It's but you don't necessarily know that if you're no. coming to it. And there's with Bruce, because he's such a good-looking guy who's such a cornball, yeah. there are times when you're like, is he a Bad actor or a good actor? The person I was watching it with turned to me maybe halfway through and said, like, this is funny? Right. And I was like, yeah. And she was like, I thought I was going to be, like, laughing at this. This is, I'm, like, realizing this knows that it's fun. Like, it's right. funny on purpose. Right. When you get to that run, I got to look at my, because this, I was just watching, re-watching this this morning. It's the run. Okay. It's this whole run where it starts with the, he, he goes, it's the whole insanity run, right? Yeah. Where he comes out of the mirror and grabs himself yeah. and says, we just cut up our girlfriend with a chainsaw. Does that sound fine to you? Mm-hmm. His reflection his reflection strangles him, <laughs> reverse to him strangling himself. Yes. Right? That's before the hand starts beating him up. Yes. Yeah. Then the hand turns bad. Right. <laughs> then he smashes 87 plates on his head. Which, by the way... <laughs> 
this archaeologist, first of all, is he going to throw a banquet? Yeah. Why has he got all these dishes? He's got all these dirty dishes full of beans. <laughs> <laughs> like, this house is gross. World's worst cabin. I, I mean, honestly, when, <laughs> when she says to him, the girlfriend says to him, I'm worried about them coming back. Yeah. It's like, and, he, and it's like an archaeologist lives here. Don't worry, we'll tell them. They're respectable. It's like, this is a dump. Yeah. And and look, you learn like, oh, I guess this place got roughed up because he had to face what they were facing once before. But even still, I don't think it looked good before. It's not like the deadites came in and ate 15 p- plates of beans. <laughs> no. That's the archaeologist eating those beans and not cleaning up after himself. Yeah. So Might the hand can then hit him yeah. on the head. I yeah. think the deadites are just mad about all so, the farts. Like, that's why they're <laughs> just fart cabin. We're going to open up hell dimension. That would be an incredible guy. horror movie where it's like farts summoned demons. Yes. <laughs> and it's a and it's a it's a, a a summer house full of frat guys. Some someone is right now doing a line and typing out farts of the dead <laughs> and they're already on page 4. So the hand hits him on the head. It's some, one of the most incredible very, Alien very, very, hand syndrome yeah. acting I've ever seen. It's, yeah. He's so good at it. He, smack, he knocks himself out. The hand drags him across the floor to get oh, to the cleaver. That thing where you just go like, how did he do this? Right. And then the hand gets stabbed in the back of the hand <laughs> yes. with a knife by Bruce, yeah. who then cuts it off with a chainsaw. By the way, I've had chainsaw training. Do not operate a chainsaw in any of the ways you see a chainsaw no, being operated. No. You will die immediately. I shouldn't like uh, strap a thing onto my shirt so that I can... <laughs> so you can pull it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a bad, bad chainsaw etiquette. Sure. Then he cuts it off with a chainsaw. Then he puts the the wastebasket on top of it. A farewell to arms. Right. It's just it's this total overstimulation of what's right. going on. It's part, all of it is incredible physical comedy. Yes. When he goes in and then finally like ugh, sits down in that chair, bang. That's when your brain starts going. Am I watching a Three Stooges? Right. Right. Am I like what's going on? Why am I watching? This is so overwhelming. And when he hits that final, and what's the last part of that? I forgot. Quickly, I'll just add in that sequence you're talking about, John. He also flips himself over. Yes, right, like that. And like it, I've seen this movie a handful of times. I never really actually noticed it, yeah. but like the physicality of that—that that is like not easy. Donald to do. O'Connor, no. it's or crazy. Whatever, right. right. Well, he's crazy. Just been, just a few scenes earlier, he'd been strapped to what they called the Samo Cam. Oh, yeah. Well, which we'll was basically he was it. crucified on a crane in front right. of I a, even have a picture. In of front the, of a thing. Of and he was just. Cam. So wild. They just, you know, rotated him around as the camera moved forward. There's the Samo Cam. God, it's yeah. so crazy. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's, yeah. That was the. Uh, yeah. The, yeah. He's strapped to an X shaped uh, uh, strut yeah. that yeah. rotates. Yep. Anyway, and I forgot about, like, okay, that, then he cuts off the hand. Then. The hand sneaks away in the bucket. Yes, yeah. In Very the background, cute. which is one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. Like, and I remember in the audience going, oh my God. And then the hand goes into the mouse hole and he's shooting the mouse hole. And the hand gives him the bird and goes, son of a bitch. And he goes, son of a bitch. And then he shoots the hand in the hole and the blood spurts out. It's totally like, wh- right. in the theater, that was so bonkers. The blood so- spurts out. It's too much blood. It's still going on. It- How is there more blood? Then the blood turns black. Then it goes in reverse. Right. <laughs> Every time there's too much blood, I, I always love that. The, yeah. the, the trapdoor sequence, too, where it's like, it must just be hoses of it. I don't, right. I don't even right. like... Uh, and it but looks not- watery and foamy. You don't yes. care. Well, You're like, this is great. The classic Evil Dead blood was Caro syrup. Yes, which mm-hmm. which Bruce Campbell insisted on using in right. this movie. Red I think no one else used it, syrup. but he right. was like, I want that, that stuff was, on me. That was what he had. Yeah, and it's not, you don't get the sense that 
he's throwing too much at you. It's no. a lot of stimulation, but it's it's elegantly doled out. I, the, and it's yeah. still intimate, like right. which is smart. Like the, the thought I had watching this last night was this is, movie is a symphony. I, did you really just a symphony of gags right because it, it, it just yeah. feels like you're like i'm gonna just follow the flow of his ideas right whether it's, it's a story idea or a visual idea right or allowing this performer to show off a new skill set or right. whatever it is it's not what you would expect like no. and it is funny I, i'll get into it but like that yes de Laurentiis is like no i don't want a medieval adventure movie that sounds like bullshit do the thing too. again but you would think he'd be like but do the next, you know, chapter of him leaving the cabin and not just like, no, just go back to the cabin and just right. kind of plus everything Ambit. up. Yeah. Right. Amp it into this dimension where no one really knows what's happening because when that chair finally breaks yeah. and you finally breathe with that, it's like, oh, this is a different movie than I signed up for. It, it's so, I mean, and it yeah. is such, the approach to this as a sequel where you're like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to reset the table. We're going to go back. Right. Right. We're going to do an abridged we'll do version of, of the first of movie. movie one. Right. right. And let's like consolidate it, focus it, pare it down to its basic elements, but also just start to modify the tone a little bit. So right. it's easier for us to get to this place where just chaos is going to reign. And at that point, we're not really interested in this being a horror anymore. It has horror elements, but it is as much a comedy and then it's going to fully make the transformation into, like, badass action movie. Right. Which is the thing that you kind of believe. Because I, I like Army of Darkness a lot. But I think right. Army of Darkness is so much more into him being the cocky, comedic fool who's going to get one-upped. Because he has that confidence the whole movie. Right. This movie, when you start at the beginning, you go, no way this guy becomes a badass at the end. No, the way when, yeah, when he's playing, he'll just be the same. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you're like, and if he gets to that point, I'm not going to buy it. It's going to feel like a joke. Right. And when Campbell gets those moments, he, like, fucking grabs them. Well, yeah. Yeah. And as much as that, that whole sequence... And including the room laughing at him and him dancing with the right. uh, with the with the uh, lamp. Yes, God, like it's so funny and it's so beautifully choreographed, but it is also harrowing. Like yeah. it's not not a horror movie. It's upset. The movie his, is his it portrayal tense. of losing his mind is very yeah. convincing. And there's constantly imagery that is genuinely disturbing. Yeah, gross stuff. Right. That that's going to haunt you. The gore, the merrier, as Sam Raimi used to say when they went to go see uh, uh, drive-in movies to learn how to make a horror movie. David, open up this uh, flesh-bound dossier. I've got that. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, I've got this dossier for you. We've talked a little bit about this. I mean, we should mention, right, obviously, the other thing is they make Crime Wave after Evil Dead. Right. And that not doing well increases their desperation. Like, now they're right. like, okay, we need to. And that's when they start dangling an Evil Dead sequel. Because that's 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 what, they got. what they have to their name. Like, that's the only thing they can tempt people with. But obviously, he's pitching this medieval sequel. They took out an ad. His agent, Irvin Shapiro, mm -hmm. just took out an ad for Evil Dead 2. And at this point, over the years, Evil Dead is, like, growing as a VHS right. cult right. object every year. And that did attract some attention from 20th Century Fox and Universal... Evil Dead um, is in Nightmare on Elm Street. Right. She's very, watching it, or someone's watching it. Very it. bizarre to think about. Yes, right. it is. That's right. right. And yeah. Freddy Krueger's hand glove is in... In Evil Dead 2. 2, right? Yeah. 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 Um, in the basement. Um, 
And so That's he, a nice sort of like tip the cap both tip directions. Of, tip of the five-bladed glove. <laughs> Obviously, he's trying to get... Tip of the singe fedora. Trying to get the medieval concept funded. Yeah. Eventually, he drops it. He tries to get Embassy, who funded Crime Wave, mm-hmm. to fund it. They string him along for a while, and eventually they drop it. And he obviously had a very difficult time with Embassy and Crime Wave, and right. the movie getting taken away from him. And, and yet, right. nonetheless, right. he, he actually like, went to them first. Yeah. Right. Then so him and his buddy Scott, Scott Spiegel, who he co-wrote this movie with, were living in a house in Silver Lake with four cool cats: Joel Cohen, Ethan mm. Cohen, mm. Francis McDormand, mm. and Holly Hunter. Unbelievable. As you do, pretty it's cool. Like unbelievable to consider. that. That's the TV show that I want to pitch to HBO Max. I I cannot the tell year you, that those four lived or those six lived together. It does just pop into my head every once in a while, just an image of the four of them sitting around like chairs in a living room at two o'clock in the morning on a tuesday I mean, right like they, just imagining the late night conversations that those people have. spiegel references like holly hunter she's getting off you know her career is taking mm-hmm. off she's in sweatpants reading scripts this is the crazy thing they wrote the character bobby joe in this movie for yeah. her of course Rob, that makes a lot of sense actually yeah it's the only thing that makes bobby joe make sense right honestly. they're like holly hunter type right rob <laughs> taper who jj who rarely editorializes uh-huh. in his uh in his dossier, calls a rude idiot. <laughs> uh, Wait, said, what is this dossier you're reading from? Uh, we have a researcher now, J.J. Uh, Bursch. Oh, uh, excuse yeah, me. Uh, yes. Who like, types up cool, like little cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. The cool things. Um, does does but, volumes and volumes of research, and then commits them to a reel to reel recorder. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, but and, Rob, and does he just leave it in a cabin for anyone to find and yeah. start playing? Yes. By the way, rude, Bruce. Don't play someone else's reel to reel. It's funny that the biggest difference I feel like between the first movie and the second movie is that in the first one when they play the tape recording you're like I buy this there's a slow enough sense of discovery nothing in the house seems incredibly creepy and in this they, it's the world's most cursed cabin they don't know who lives here <laughs> right. it's sitting out on a desk right. next to this horrifying book right. and within two minutes of walking in it's like I should press play yeah, on this probably I should listen <laughs> to this let's <laughs> right. do it just to uh, Rob Taper rude idiot mm. uh, said we need a babe for that role and turned Fuck. down the Holly Hunter suggestion in, a, in the 80s. Rob Tapers. Outrageous. He's an okay guy. He's an okay guy. I'm sure he's I'm an sure. okay guy. He, I mean, look, he a admits dumb it. move, yeah. He confirms, without getting myself in trouble, I thought we should look for somebody else. He said that in 2013. Wow. So he's like, yeah. you know, Holly Hunter is... Fa-. Anyway, uh, as you say, that character does totally make sense for Holly Hunter. Yeah. It's funny to think of in the 80s. There was still that mindset, like, no, no, we need a but Holly, who was Holly, Holly Hunter is I, right. This white actress with a southern lilt, she's not going to make sense. She, she, there's no, no one I don't think right. Holly Hunter existed yet, is the thing, because no, I believe that Raising Arizona and Evil Dead Two opened the same weekend in 1987. Yes. They're both 1987, right. uh, and they it's did. You were correct. Another insane I mean, thing to think spoiling about: spoiling the right. box office game, but uh, that these like two filmmaking teams are running like, concurrent, inspiring each like other. They, yeah, Ramey and the Coens had just made. A t- horrible flop, and their recovery pieces right. are two of the most defining, or you know, right, the among the most defining movies of their careers. And and like the Coens talk about so much how much watching Evil Dead One was like, we can do that with the camera, right. we can go this far, right? We don't have to be concerned with like good taste or the rules, right? Exactly. And yeah. like Raising Arizona has so much of that energy where they're just sort of same like, deal. I didn't know right. what I was seeing when I went into that just theater. like Absolutely. endless I mean, like, the camera just like crashing down on right. you know yeah. supermarket out and uh, again destabilizing because that is a comedy that has it's, huge human emotion in it. Yeah, and you never and then horror too. and that movie moves so fucking fast. Like right. the first ten minutes are like four movies and right. then the opening credits start. And you're like, uh, what? I still get goosebumps. Oh. Charles Diggs and I seeing that at the Harvard Square 
theater. Boy, oh boy. Yeah. What a night. What a night. Um, okay, so... Um, uh, so Spiegel and Raimi start writing their script. Mm-hmm. Rather, Unlike the first movie, they're not writing to a budget. They're like, mm-hmm. let's just write whatever we think is funny. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's one reason they keep writing these ridiculous set pieces. This symphony that you're describing. Right. Like, what if we did this? What if we did this? It's a lot of slapstick it's a ideas. It's symphony, if I may. Oh, hey. Cartoonish. There you go. But mm-hmm. also, they know the performer they're writing to, so they know yes. what Bruce can that's pull That's the other that's thing. Huge. It's yeah, true. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, Campbell's take on the comedy, let's see, is I think when you play something such an extreme, you're either horrified or you laugh. Sam does not mind punishing the audience, but he does not like to insult them. I like scaring people, but in a friendly way. Mm. All of that tracks. You yeah, know, perfect. he's a perfect encapsulation of everything. It, but it is, I mean, again, like the first movie is quite harrowing. Yes. Like, it is funny to think sitting down being like, okay, this is going to be more harrowing, right? Like, this is the sequel. I'm expecting intensity beyond belief. And then in 10 minutes in, there's... You do get intensity. You do, but there's also 10 minutes in a stop motion dance sequence with a corpse whose head falls off or whatever. And like, my wife last night was just like, what is this? Like, what? What It's like the reverse of taking a top hat off and rolling it down (laughs) your arm. It's your head rolling up your arm onto your body. But to like, to go... Right. A, we're going to essentially redo the first movie. Literally in the first act, but also we're pretty much going to stay in the same zone, the right. same concerns, the up, same locations. Right. Right. And then the mo- also... This Evil Dead ends with the, the monster camera rushing at Bruce. Right. And that's fate and... Right. That's minute smash like black. 15 in this movie. Right. That's right. where you're supposedly picking up. That's when he gets right. thrown onto the Samo cam. Right. And revolved around through the woods till he lands in a right. puddle. And, and then has his first has sort his of first, dead eye run. Yeah. Um, Evil Ash run, I should say, but um, um, but then right to do it in such a different tone. It's I mean that's one of those things. It's like the amount of comedy in this movie makes it more upsetting. Where you're like, yeah. they're being yeah, because, funny about this because that's the thing about like, and this is why I think it has. It's not a comedy in horror movie clothes. No, nor is it a, a funny horror movie. It's totally unique. It's what it it's, it's it's it's. Totally unique, yeah. But it does exactly what I think really good horror does and really good comedy does, which is right. co- keep you on a level of like I don't know what's happening and I'm not comfortable. Yes, definitely. You don't know what to expect. But then twenty minutes after scene, at the yeah. end, where he's like, "I'm gonna become a superhero, and well, you're gonna yeah. watch me kick ass." And there's no tension; it's just fucking joyride. Can right you now, just... can you imagine what it was like in the theater the, when I, he said "cacophony"? I right. Yeah. I when he said "group," because I don't know that there's a I mean, I, I'm I'm really going into superlative mode here, but sure. it's like what that one word does in that moment <sighs> for that movie, because it that's the word where if you were, had any guesses, yeah, is Bruce a good actor or a bad actor? Well, right. who is this guy? Right, is this a comedy or a horror? Like that lead up to Groovy, that that cla- what is now classic. It was a parody of a kind of classic getting literally armed, right? Right, you know, strapping on your your gun belts and your stuff, right. looking at the camera and going, let's go fuck some shit up. But Bruce saying groovy is like, oh, it's a they it's a joke. It's a joke right. it's a that good... they take very seriously. And all of a sudden this moment is fucking iconic. Like you are right. so amped for but this also, now. It's like if get away from her, you bitch happened at the end of the first alien and you'd go, right. well, you can't do that. You need two movies. You need this time to pass. You need the experiences. Mm. You need the Ripley relation right. or the uh, newt relationship, whatever. Right. And the fact that movie pulls it off in like one scene. Yeah. I know this is the second movie, but like he starts off just as goofy. Like one of the other right. things that he could goofier have... than he was in the first film. Yeah, gro- yeah. groovy is groovy is goofy. 
Yeah. It's an incredibly goofy thing to say, yeah. and it works so well. But, because, but it's saying to the audience, this guy's cool now. You're going you're gonna to buy that for the sake it, of this narrative, he's cool it now. It crystallizes everything about the movie, and right. that brings the audience on board in a way that they may not have been right. for that final act. And as I think Bruce was saying in the quote from the, the dossier, like, mm-hmm. Sam Raimi doesn't mind punishing the audience. He'll show them gross stuff, but he likes the audience. And, like, he trusted that when Bruce Campbell says groovy, they would get it. And they did. They're going to share. I think they did. Um, the big thing that gets them funding mm-hmm. is a little man named Stephen King who's a huge fan of the first movie, obviously, yes. and lent it support and helped spread the word about it. Had the pull quote on the poster. He's making Maximum Overdrive, and he catches wind that Evil Dead 2, there's a script floating around, mm-hmm. and he he gets Dino De Laurentiis, who's making Maximum Overdrive, and he says, meet this man right away. Like, you know, I, I Stephen realize, King, wow. bless this. Yeah. De Laurentiis meets with Raimi and is like, well, I have the rights to a bunch of Stephen King stuff. Do you want to do thinner? I'm mm-hmm. trying to get thinner going. Right. Which he eventually does make. Yeah. What if he got thinner? I, I believe that's what thinner's about. I you're looking to me? Yes, I think that's. I did not see that movie, nor have I read that. Story. No, I have neither. Is that I believe it's a guy. It is a, a guy uh, who uh, gets a curse. Um. Anyway, uh, and Raimi's like, I don't want to do that. I want to do Evil Dead too. Yeah. And De Laurentiis uh, is like, translate the script into Italian for me. <laughs> and he was like, okay. And he said, I, and then he, Raimi was asking for four million dollars, and De Laurentiis came back and said, I can give you three point six. Mm-hmm. And Raimi was like, sounds good. But it's one of those things when the first it's movie. Funny, just funny that he knocked a little bit off. He's like, yeah, four million. Come on, three point six. Three point six. The first movie was what meant to be one hundred and fifty, and it ended up being what, what the numbers on the budget. I oh, I can't remember. That's you know. Also, that's one of those movies where the, Everyone the legend overtakes right. it. Yeah. The reason? Did you say the, the reason that Stephen King was uh, talking to De Laurentiis? Well, he loved at that the first one, and he yeah, we yeah, we, but he was working with De Laurentiis. He was directing Maximum. Yes, yes Maximum. Yes, yes, did you just yeah, say that? Yes, yes I did. Um, but yes, put it back. But later. Put it back in. No, I'm joking. Yeah. All right. Keep it in triple A. He was directing Maximum Overdrive. He was directing Maximum Overdrive. He was directing Maximum Overdrive. The first movie was well under half a million dollars, even if you believe the most extreme exaggerations of how much the budget overran. Right. If you say to this guy, you have $3.6 million now, it's right. like he's been given $200 million. That's if he was able to make that movie... For three hundred to four hundred and fifty thousand dollars, the right. first Evil Dead, where like we we're talking in the first episode, all these sort of young genre filmmakers who see that at a pivotal age are like, this is the first movie where it doesn't feel like a guy is writing within the limitations of his resources, mm-hmm. where he's figuring out how to execute any fun idea he has, and then this movie, he's like, I I can do more, right? Are you fucking kidding me, right? Yeah, but, but that is the thing. De Laurentiis is the one who helps with the sort. He's like, don't overshoot your ambitions make the first kind of like make a cabin in the woods movie again but with a real budget like yeah. that's what you should do uh and so they do they strip out everything in the script that's you know too insane like, but, but like the only thing i think you can really equate it to is the road warrior where which it's we, like which we talked about in the of road course warrior, right it's like basically make the first movie again but up everything right yeah and i think their thought is like just do a fancier version of the first movie and they're like i'm gonna go so much crazier than the first movie i'm not just gonna make your shinier more polished version of my original idea but, but the, the key is they didn't say that no 
they, they did they're, that. They're like, thanks for the money. Thank you. Uh, we will not be shooting in your studio. <laughs> yes. We they, are going to go several miles away. Right. And in both in, cases. Into the woods. It was yes. like guys who made movies with their friends where they had sort of gathered money from independent sources and had like very little oversight and put all their ambition on screen to show like, this is this wild idea. I have this thing I can barely, barely depict. And then the second time people were like, here's real money in a real structure. Right. And they went, thank you. And it's not all right. Here's I'm put some... my brother in a witch costume. And <laughs> here's some right. and these are, look, a lot of these, I think, are coming from Bruce's book, by the way. A lot of these hey. uh, factoids I'm getting here. Hey, no. Yeah, are sure. Coming from If Chins Could Kill. Um, they shot... write, hey, Bruce's book, If Chins Could Kill, is a great book Still about your, yeah. young your people making movies. Yeah, yep. Absolutely. And um, you learn a lot. The subject we I love. highly recommend it. Um, so they shot in Wadesboro, North Carolina, f- many hours from Wilmington, which is where mm-hmm. Sam Raimi's like, home base was because they didn't want anyone visiting them. De Laurentiis' yeah. is home base. Uh, De Laurentiis, sorry, yes. De Laurentiis, yeah. not, not Ra- Raimi's up in Michigan, right? right. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, because he, he wanted to be far enough away, there'd be a pain in the ass to visit the set, basically. Right. So they'd be Smart. left alone. Smart. Uh, apparently, Bruce Campbell, as I'm sure you can, they, they, they talk a lot about how he was really good at, quote, the local yokel stuff. So he'd like go to town and be like, "Hey, do you want to like do the wiring?" Or you know, "Hey, do you want to like build some?" You know, like and everyone it's just true. get everyone on board. Really yeah, good at cool. like scouting. Okay, hey, do you know anywhere around here that you know we could do this? It's what you call a people person. Um, they had uh, exactly. Uh, Spielberg had shot the color purple around there, so people were used to. A movie, right? Wilmington's like town. really developing as a hub. I know this Wilmington, outside of Wilmington, this, this but I'm right, saying no, North I mean, Carolina. Yes, yes. And they shot. That's they, they built the sets in the the local high school yeah. in the gym. Yeah, which is like wow. sort of a, funny to think that that's all in a high school gym. Like when we're watching yeah, the cabin stuff, I really couldn't figure out where it was and. It does no. not track that it was in it, a gym. It's yep. funny, too, that the cabin is so much smaller in this movie. And I think that's probably... Is it, though? It feels like it is. What about when he's running for three minutes? Well, they can make... Right. There are times where they... That is one wacky with the cabin. physics of it. Right. Yeah. Well, when you, when oh, you when see they, it we'll from the outside. It's yes. so cool. That is such a... Uh, do you want to hold on? No, go ahead. That? I mean, talk about it. I don't care. What a weird sequence. That's also destabilizing, too, yes. right? Because you're, now you're in a this haunted house that has a million doors. Right. And by the way, whole crawl spaces behind every right. wall that encircle the entire, like he's going through five different doors and then goes into some unseen portion of the cabin. Because when they're outside the cabin, it looks like an outhouse. It yeah. looks like this is like one two, room. Two, yeah, one or two rooms. Exactly. This is a tiny home. Yeah, but it just goes on forever it's inside. It's a tiny home. It's about a haunted tiny home. No, haunted that was home. the first time where I felt like I'm a, like, is this a horror movie or is this like an airplane parody of a horror movie? Right. You know, because, yeah. and then it was showing you like, we're we're able to go bigger, yes. Like we literally are going to expand, but also we're doing something completely weird that you don't know what's also happening. Also, just this weird level of like uh, uh, Edgar Wright quote I threw out in in our Evil Dead one episode that he was like watching for the first time. Realized most horror movies you're watching people get picked off one by one. And the first Evil Dead, almost everyone else gets picked off really quickly. And then the rest of the movie is this one guy being picked on. Right. Right? Like the right. evil force yeah. like has no rules in this movie. Sometimes it can break down doors. Sometimes it cannot get through doors. It can do whatever the fuck it wants. Right. It can do whatever the fuck it wants, but its main prerogative is it wants to fuck with this guy. It right. gets pleasure from fucking with this guy. And then the added layer onto this is... It's top of the brain because Ben and I, the new one came out, Ben and I saw this marathon or whatever. But there is this weird jackass element to this movie. Yeah. Where you're like, sure. it's Raimi and other childhood friends behind the camera being like, can you believe we're getting Bruce to do this on camera? Oh, they love, 
Yeah. Right. So it's like there's the cosmic humor of like it's funny to have a character like this that's being shit on by everyone who can't catch a break. And then they're also like, and remember we wrote this into the script and now he has to do it and he has to do it 20 times. Yes. It was very, very honest that Sam Raimi loved to beat up on Bruce Campbell. You can like hear them giggling. Like and, you can feel I mean, talk it. about yeah. Revenge of the Nerds too. Like yeah, Bruce right. was Bruce was uh, was da- the closest friends with these guys, right? But he's a six foot tall, he's the handsome, beautiful jock guy who does and theater. Sam, and Sam Raimi right. was just, you know, not that right, very shy, yeah. soft spoken. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, I'm going to beat up on this jock, right? Right, it's the well, movie is me I'm, beating up. I'm going to make this jock beat up on himself. I'm going to oh, make this jock punch himself. It's in the literally, face. why are you hitting yourself? <laughs> yes, that old gag. God. Um, I want to shout out Peter Deming. Oh. Shot this movie has uh, one of the most incredibly diverse careers was, as a cinematographer. I don't, know, I don't know who he is. Who is he? Well, he a couple credits. Well, there. I will. But first, I want to point out he was a nobody when he got hired. Mm-hmm. At first, Raimi hired some guy called Eugene Shuglet, and they like fought, and he fired him right away. Right. Then he went back to Tom Philo, who shot the first, shot movie. the first movie. And one of these things I always love as a phenomenon, where it's like a guy who was friends with the guy who made this movie that was so seismically important. This look that's been replicated. And he was like, I want to like work in the film industry my whole career. And Evil Dead One's the only movie he DP'd. He did like second unit on this, and he's. He has this quote where he's like, I read the script. He says, the script is an amazing document. It's impossible to read, but the level of complexity, it just describes all this incredible stuff in it, like these shots. And he basically was like, I can't do this. Like, I won't be able. I'm going to be the fall guy if you hire me. They hire Peter Deming. He had shot Hollywood Shuffle. That was like his one credit. Yeah. He was like a Midwestern. He went to Wisconsin, I think. But another like seismic movie in American independent True. film. Right. This True. huge. Yes. And right. then, but yes, he goes on. I mean, his greatest work is Mulholland Drive. He also shot Lost Highway. He, was he also shot guy. the Austin Powers movie. He did the Austin Powers movies. He did the all range the screams. Of this guy is all the screams. He's technically not credited on the first screen, but the uh-huh. first screen famously fired its cinematographer and brought him in. And yeah. He did all the other screams. Wow. He did Twin Peaks The Return. I heard Huckabees. Yeah. Oh, um, wow. He's he's uh, a yeah. you know but Maybe this I is should his pay first... attention to who films these movies. No, he's a exciting. secret like great. And like, huh. and I feel was... like he maybe doesn't get cited as as much as some other guys because he doesn't have the distinctive house look. Right. He's so adaptable to who he's working with. Yeah. Um, but this is the whole thing with Peter Deming. It's like, not only are we like, he's being brought in and like basically production's happening yeah. and every day Sam Raimi will just have breakfast with him and be like, so we're going to, you know, put Bruce on this crane and we'll shoot him through the woods or whatever. And he's like, okay. You know, like they're just like doing it on the fly. I mean, I, and was, I showed you yeah. some of these rigs, you know, ins- yeah. this is the one for, that goes through the car, the Ram is the cam. coolest yeah. shot when it like yeah. smashes through the windows of the car, like even Forky was like, whoa, like, you know, how'd they pull that out? Yeah, like, well, what they did in case you can't see, you're listening to a podcast and you can't see the, the yeah, I'll, I'll get, for I'll anyone get who that applies to. to. Yeah, what Raimi did was, and this is something he did in Evil Dead One as well, was he had a, a cart on wheels with a long pole sticking straight forward on it, duct taped the camera to the end of the pole <laughs> so that he could push the cart and the camera could go through the back window of a car and then out the front window of the car. Yeah. That old 88, of course, is a motif. It shows up in a lot of Raimi movies. They called it the classic. Right. Yes. Uh, always showing right. up. Yeah. yeah. And that's also funny, too, because like, oh, yeah, suddenly I've got three and a half, three point six million dollars. I can really upgrade the Ramo cam. Right. <laughs> Maybe I'm not using duct tape anymore on the on the pole that I'm sticking through this Oldsmobile. Look, it's not like he's the first, but in terms of the consistency with which Raimi is constantly 
approaching the camera as an object and being like, what are things you can do with an object? Right. How can you move an object? Right. And how can I make it hurt Bruce Campbell? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> can I throw it at him? Can I just yeah. whip it at his head? What's legal here? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I watched the, I mean, there's this like beautiful 4K restoration of this movie, which yes, is how I, you I have it too. watch yes. it. Yeah. And it, you know, it's not been like uh, artificially scrubbed. It still has like texture and everything. But especially compared to other movies of the genre, it is kind of incredible how clean this movie looks. Mm. Like it has such like bright, vibrant colors. Like an you know? EC comic. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like it, a, it, it looks... It has a comic book vibe to it. Right. Yeah. It has that... The, the sort of palette of... Uh, right. Like 50s, 60s, 40s genre comics where they could only use like six colors to right. print. And horror comics that were right. gruesome and... Right. You know, that started the, the reason for the comics code. And yeah. this movie has... It uses shadows and whatever, but it's not like murky. It's not grainy. No. It's not grimy. There's... there. It's surprisingly clean for a movie that's so much about viscera. And, yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. It's not janky, I guess, yeah. even though it's a janky atmosphere is how to, how yeah, to describe. Yeah, janky atmosphere. Right. But like the Bright special effects feel so like cutting edge in a weird kind of a way it, it, you know like using like everything every right. type of technique it must have been a pain in the ass i mean which is so much of what yeah. is in the you know it's just like how they did the eyeball shot you know how complicated right. that was how they did the vine trick where she's being you know they would shoot a lot of this stuff backwards and then run it forwards yeah. obviously that's sort of like a classic way to do that and bruce's book sam would yell at bruce <laughs> For being a bad reverse actor. <laughs> <laughs> but in, come on, you don't know how to act like, backwards? Everyone knows that, that. That's the worst reverse acting I've ever seen. <laughs> um, obviously, this thing has a famous kind of murderer's row of makeup and visual effects yeah, guys. Yeah, Greg Nicotero. Greg Nicotero, right. Nicotero, the famous one. Mark Showstrom, who had done Nightmare on Elm Street and Videodrome. Cool, gooey effects. Yeah. Uh, Harold, Howard stuff. Berger yeah. and Robert Kurtzman and Tom Sullivan, who'd worked on the first movie. Right. But So it's like, that's obviously... The biggest influence on these movies is the Three Stooges. We talked about yeah. in the last episode, but like Ray Harryhausen is obviously, uh, like, yeah, of course, coming to the fore here. Right, right? All the, 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 the dancing stuff. headless body, the dancing headless right. body, the the when the when the hand yes. is on its own and moving through the uh, mouse holes, right. And the then Army of Darkness is like just primarily a Harryhausen tribute, right? It feels exactly, like. yeah. yeah, right, right. That right. only gets dialed up more, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just it's what we it's like. They had worked so hard with no money. Yeah. And instead of not working very hard with more money, they worked so hard with a little more money. Right. It produces this like exponential result. Right. Right. Like that's the best way to describe this. Right. But it's 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 the same for me as the Mad Max to Road Warrior jump where it's like they can now afford to have five cars instead of one or two. Right. And be more comfortable. And instead they were like, no, we're going to pay for 80 cars. And suffer and right. break our backs to make another one of these. But there are also choices in this movie like the bridge, which is so phony looking. Thank you. I was just about to bring this up. I think that's another key like tonal indicator of the world this movie is taking place in. Right. Because it looks phony. And it's, it's it looks, like... It looks janky. It looks janky. It's like a weird map painting. But even the design of it, you're like, that damage doesn't make sense. Right. How could it look like? Only a dead eye could do it. That's yes, the only Only a dead eye could do it. Yeah. But I mean, the first time you see the bridge before it's blown up yeah. it's obviously a matte painting it's kind of a beautiful matte painting yeah. yeah but it's definitely cluing you in a i think it's cluing you into the facts like this is kind of a janky horror movie like right. these are the visual cues that uh the, the, this is not the, this is not a fancy movie yeah don't 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 this is not a 
uh, uh, Rosemary's Baby. We're playing in the B movie realm. Yeah, exactly. Right, but when that- but then also I kind of feel like Sam Raimi's like, like it's just a Sam Raimi thing. Like the thing about the Ramo cam. Like yeah, they're they're working really hard with more money, but they also have this kind of Michigan working class like. How, why would we improve a pole that bashes through an Oldsmobile? Right. That's, like, this is what we do. Like, we'll spend the what, money where we need to spend the money. What technique is better than that? Yeah, I just on the, stop motion, like, uh, uh, headless dancing. and uh, The bridge looks so, like, illustrative. Right? Yeah. Right? Like, it looks like a weird, gnarled Tim Burton tree or some shit. Oh, once it's been busted open. Yeah. By the and you're like, there's so many ways you could just depict the bridge has gone out. Right. And it's also such a weird narrative cul-de-sac because we've been so caught up with this guy in the house. Right. If you've watched the first movie, you're like, you never leave the cabin. Right. You can't right. get out. That's right. the whole point. So then this cut to the plane landing, the brother and sister, children of the archaeologist. You're like, where's this going? So they're going to go to the house. Right. And then you're interested to Bobby Joe. And what's the, the townie's name? Townie. Uh, Tony. Uh, his name is, is it Jake? Jake. Yes. Yes. I think it is Jake. Yes, but there's this Jake. weird relief where, like, these people are not living the Jake same. Jake is like, I can take you up there on a trail. It'll cost you $45. a <laughs> weird number. <laughs> I mean, Bobby um, Joe says 45. He ups no, it he to 100. No, he says 45. And then oh, she, she ups it she, to 100. She nudges him and he goes, I mean, $100. Yeah, right. Like, um, but it, like, in those first 20 minutes, I guess, mm-hmm. I sp- maybe especially if you haven't seen Evil Dead 1, yeah. maybe you're kind of having that thought of like, are we not going to leave this? Like, is it just right. going to be this guy? Is it just going to be... Yeah. Like, and then... And I think also, if you haven't seen Evil Dead 1, you're watching this, so you're like, what was the first movie? <laughs> right. Sure what happened seems. before this? <laughs> but but you also, I think that, understand too, that like this is showing in movie theaters and like k- kids and stoners and weirdos <laughs> right. are just... Right. They're out for a Saturday night. It's what's playing. There's a lot of people who don't care what right. Evil Dead was. Right. And there are a lot of people who might have even said, let's not even put two on the end of this. Absolutely. Uh, right. Like, 100%. Yeah. I, but I just feel like them cutting to the plane is kind of you getting some water splash in your face. Yeah. And you're like, no, no, right. Of course, it's a movie. There'll be it's a movie. characters and a plot. Right. Uh, I, I, was, I briefly right. thought there might not be. Like, I briefly thought it was just going to be in this right. cabin. But that's also sort and, of telling you. And then someone you, should take like, them aside and be like, you like that? Check out Evil Dead 1. Right. Like, this movie yeah. can ultimately make this jump to action adventure film on sort this of. odd small scale. Right. Right. Because they're going to come in and it's not like they're there to save him. It's like we can infuse new life into the situation and he can sort of transform. Right. Yeah. Right. You have this uh, young couple, one of them wearing shorts all the time. Yes. yes. Um, and it the is the other fr- guy destined to be thrown into a fruit cellar as soon as possible. <laughs> no, she's carrying she's carrying around extra pages to the Book of the Dead. Yeah, in a, in a in, glass case that yes. can only be opened by shattering. Of course. <laughs> no offense to any of these actors. Yes. And Cassie De Paiva, I think is her name. Like okay. she, who plays Bobby Joe, she went on to be on like One Life to Live for like twenty years. Yeah, or whatever. like she's she funny. had a rich career. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it is funny that in both of these movies, mm-hmm. it's. Bruce Campbell, yes. and then a bunch of people. You're like, I, I, right. I couldn't tell you. You know, right. like yeah. they, they don't, they yeah. don't pop really at all. And you're just like, yeah, they're there to yeah. turn into monsters, right? You right. know, um, and but they, they are there. We need some new bodies, right? We need some new people to and get you're possessed. Right. It's like it's a, little, it's a little extra life. It's a, it's a little faint. You, you kind of towards need. of like oh, maybe there's a, there's a you know a love story here. These, these young kids, right. No, that kid, that guy's gonna go down in the that basement guy. as so that, fast that, as yeah, possible. That right. Fred-looking ass. <laughs> I'm so re- I was so ready. For that's him. the that's what I was looking for. That that's the Fred-looking asshole. <laughs> uh, let's see. I mean, Sam Raimi just, I guess, similar to his energy on his energy seems to be 
he would keep having ideas yeah. on set. He would be like, "Can we do the eyeball like goes in her mouth?" Like you know, like right. he would add things onto it. Uh, with the makeup, he would famously just say, "Make it scarier," and they'd be like, I, "Okay," <laughs> like I yeah. don't know what that means. Like apparently, he's very into giving you percentages. Mm. He'll be like. 20% scarier here like or something like that you know like he'll he'll speak with a spectrum that you're like don't know what he's working cool. off of obviously Ted Raimi his brother his brother uh, who is a fake shemp in the yes. last one is Henrietta in this yeah. one basically right Which is like probably to what you were just talking about the second most noteworthy performance right. like that's the other performance that kind of mm-hmm. jumps out is Henrietta in that state yeah he drew, Raimi had drawn this, or someone had drawn this sketch, maybe it wasn't Sam Raimi, of like a monster that was a skinny lady with bones coming through. Mm. And Sam was like, Ted will do this, because Ted's skinny. Mm. And, and then, Ted does whatever I tell him. Right. right, and Ted agrees. I was 20, 20-year-olds have no regard for their mortality. I was the perfect <laughs> age to be in that movie. Yeah. Uh, and then they eventually decided, no, we should put him in like a fat monster mm-hmm. costume, because then, whatever, he can do more. Like, it'll be easier to build around that it'll be easier for us but more torturous that's the thing it sounds like living hell like when they describe like the 3 a.m wake up they would start putting prosthetics all over him two hours of that then they put bean bags on him to like girth him up and then they put the face on him but it's like 100 degrees yeah you're wearing this thing that is probably not you know, designed with your comfort no. in mind. Like now, right, they'll put right. a refrigerator in your suit or whatever. Right now, they'll have uh, fans going. And also, like, you're in a harness for some of these shots on top of that. Like, you're, be- like, on a yeah. rake, you know, being Bruce whipped around. Wrote, there's a f- the famous moment where Ted as Henrietta mm-hmm. is lifted up and spun around. Yes. And you can see the sweat streaming out of the costume. That truly Because you would just have liters of sweat. Because it wasn't out. just 100 degrees... Yeah. I mean, it was it was they were shooting this summer in this high school, so it was it was naturally a hundred degrees. Then inside, then with the lights on, it had to have been unbearable. It, it feels like uh, advanced interrogation tactic. Yeah, exactly. And then right. and uh, then he had to crouch in this hole because there wasn't a cellar there. <laughs> right. Ted, Ted pretend. Des- Ted describes it as the the acting version of the Rommel campaign. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, but yes, basically torture. It it just. The sweat would fill the latex feet, so they would cover him in baby powder. He couldn't see anything, yeah, because he's wearing like white, white lenses, right? right. right. Uh, Bruce Campbell, unsurprisingly, yeah, kind of the leader of men on this set, kind of the you know the one rallying everyone to 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 try so hard. He also got buff. Mm. He looks good. It looks good. He dropped yeah. the. Uh, let's see. What was he eating? The egg McMuffins, the banana cream pies at lunch. Mm. Does he love it? Is that's he, what he, he wrote a sweet tooth? Book. Right. Yeah. Like, whatever. That's, I I think that's worked sounds, out. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he looks good. Well, also, like he, his trainer would make him work out for two hours after they wrapped each day, so they would Ooh, shoot for twelve Jesus. hours. Yeah. And then he'd be working out for two hours after that. And then obviously so he, he has to strap on this damn chainsaw that like bulge, belches smoke in his face. Like so he's like smoking cigarettes basically. And I held a chainsaw once. It was very terrifying. I would and they're not, not light. want to do that. Unless that's some gimmick chainsaw that is much lighter. But I think it's it like, is lighter. It had been hollowed out so it could he could put his hand in it. Yeah. But right. it still is heavy. Yeah. But also like, I mean, talking about like working with a trainer for two hours after a full day of filming on a movie that looks this exhausting where right. he is the guy, he's in every fucking shot pretty much. Right. Uh, 
when you hear stories like that today, it is uh, people who get paid $20 million a movie right. to be in pre-established franchises right. where they are guaranteed magazine covers where they get to brag about the diet they went on and whatever. Don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> Could be anybody. Could be anybody. <laughs> Could be anybody. Could be anybody. In fact, there are multiple examples. There, yeah, multiple examples. But uh, yes. to do that for this movie, I think, is unusual. Well, Not just it. in this time. Right. But still to this day period. He did it for his high school friend. Yeah. I mean, also he wanted work. He wanted sure, and this was his right. gig. And he this loves was, acting. Yeah. He but loves I mean, making like, movies. You know, he tells, you know, talk, you know the, the way they did the blood, pouring out of the wall, right. was they tilted they tilted the set, tilted the camera, had right. Bruce lie down, then emptied like a bathtub's worth of fucking blood on his face. And Sam comes over before they shoot and he goes, so if you find that you're drowning, just wave your hands. <laughs> As if you're in terror. And Bruce said, well, that's what I'm supposed that's to be doing. That's like what a yeah. performance will be That's doing, what the performance right. is going to look like. And Sam was like, yeah, I guess you're right. Okay, roll. <laughs> <laughs> well, now. We'll tell yeah, we'll figure Bruce. it out. I just feel like putting in that extra work to look like this for this movie is not a career calculation at all. It's it just is who Bruce what is. what would help this movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, it's what would help this movie. It's they're yeah. making the they're making the best high school movie that they've had a chance to make. Yeah. So, what are some sequences we haven't talked about at all yet? What else should we talk? I mean, plot wise, obviously, it's not a plot heavy movie. No, it's well, a, it's a, uh, silly it's a symphony of silly. I wanted to say because we got right up to when he, you know, the sequence of putting together the chainsaw mm-hmm. and his look for that final battle. Yeah. To me, I like. I think that he is. This one of the coolest designs it's, for a character, yeah, and right. it it is like, and it's like this is obvious, but like, man, still even seeing it to this day, that shot when you finally see him in his final form, I guess, or whatever, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, half his blue shirt it, ripped off. He's got a leather right. buckle situation that's right. somehow connected to the chainsaw. Totally. And the sequence, the way that it's all these close-ups showing how everything is going to kind of connect you. Yeah. You're like seeing the pieces all assemble. But when you finally see him, I, I mean like I, it's something too where it's like he's a superhero, right? Or in right. that moment. But it's like anyone could be him basically. He's just a normal guy with now a chainsaw for a hand and a fucking shotgun. He's pissed as hell. Like right. it gets me right. so excited. Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's it is so just effective like and the, cool. the the lines on where the leather straps are, where the shirt is ripped, totally. like everything. I feel like this is like an off imitated thing of like how do you let a character get to badass mode in the final act? What's the cool battle damaged, world weary form? And it's kind of never better than this in in this sort of literally blue collar form where he's like still a guy in like Dockers and he's just like fucking I've had enough right fuckers right uh it's also I I, I I'm trying to remember what the transition is there is a cut mm. where like things have hit a fever pitch and then there's like another one of those moments where like they let you catch your breath and I think it's maybe him taking the pages from the book or something like that that sounds right but there's right there's like a cut that's like a little bit of a time jump where he's sort of trying to like explain everything to the new visitors at the house right and his whole performance has shifted. It's now he's the elder statesman. He's right. not the guy being fucked with. He's the one who understands this better than anyone else. Right. And hidden in that cut, this character is getting so much shit piled on him. And it's like blood, roughed up, green stuff, black stuff, red stuff, mush, sweat, whatever. And then that cut happens and he's like the most perfectly handsome he's ever going to be. And the blood is now arranged where it's like his hairline and then these like four or five specific the cuts. Great, the right. great little red lines on his face. Right, yes. and he's just now like, 
I'm the expert. Let me explain this to you. And otherwise, his face is clean, like immaculate. Yeah. You know, the stains he has on the shirt are only cool now. Right. The rips he has are only cool. Right. Yeah. He had a little time to clean up in the cabin's secret ninth bathroom. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And you believe it, too, because, like, it's obviously... It's not a continuity error. No. He's transformed into something else. And you believe the transformation because you watched what he went through, which was so funny, but also truly harrowing. Yes. And he really does know know what's happening. Right. Right. And I think the the movie's weird, like, emotional sincerity to keeping one foot in. This guy's night started with him having to saw the love of his life. Yeah, in right. half. You yeah, know? I mean, and that this the movie, necklace is the thing that like sort of brings him back. I guess Stupid necklace. This movie does Sorry. give you at least one minute of them as a happy couple in the car, just so you can somewhat feel the oh, impact of that song. Is incredible. <laughs> it's off incredible. The right. When he starts singing and she's covering her ears, going, "Oh, please stop!" He's like champagne <laughs> because, because obviously he's got a chainsaw head within a few minutes. So, right. You know, it's going to be harder to sell. Like you can't believe he did this. And the necklace thing—they have that whole cute exchange in the first movie yep. with her sneaking up on him and him pretending to be sleeping, or whatever. And in right. this one, they get into the house and he's like, "Remember this necklace I bought you?" Like they have to call it out. It obviously becomes more important later, but there are little gags like him going into the uh, the work shed and the camera like whip panning mm-hmm. over, seeing the chalk outline uh, of the chainsaw of the chainsaw, and then the camera whips over and here's like headless corpse with the chainsaw, and it's like why was the chainsaw chalk outline? Because you need to know it's not there. I know, but it's so funny. And yes, I love that. The headless corpse with the chainsaw is maybe the coolest. Yeah, stop motion effect or whatever that is, right the coolest well, like puppety it's, effect. it's for using every yeah. technique I think when right. they have when she, some green when she has screen the chainsaw yeah. it feels like that's a puppet right. that's like a rod puppet yeah. and when the dance is happening that's pure like stop motion and Sam Raimi's using every tool in the shed yeah truly work shed work shed that was such a dumb add on I mean when I watched it this rewatched it this morning there's that moment where he says work shed and clearly his mouth isn't moving yeah like someone's like well you need to tell him where he's going that feels like a De Laurentiis note. Where yeah, like, we're confused. How do, we, how do we know he's going to the workshop? <laughs> I would say, workshop. what kind of shit is it? Um, Apparently, he's uh, De Laurentiis is a vampire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, my, my impre- I, what does he look like? I've definitely seen him. Do you pictures. know De Laurentiis? He looks like a Kevin Pollock's character in The Whole Ten Yards. I just imagine like a total stereotype, which is maybe rude. Like, obviously, he was a genuine movie lover. That's the thing about him. Yes. As much as he is this parody of like a European film producer. Right. right. He actually did sort of care about this shit. Yeah. Sure. In a way. He also was happy to make stupid stuff. And where was this movie with regard to uh, David Lynch's Dune? Uh, well, David Lynch's Dune is 84, I want to say, and so this, this is, is 87, so this is post-Dune. Yeah. But I mean... Which he, De Laurentiis produced, he right? He sure, sure Raphael did. Raphael, Raphael is the producer on it, but obviously that was a, you know, a DEG, right? Like right. a De Laurentiis. Dune's still controlling the purse strings. Um, but uh, yeah, what else is he working on at this point? Let's see. He's well, got, so he's done well, the he did second Blue King Kong? Well, sure, that's in the 70s, right? No, but the second one's like much later, right? The Linda Hamilton, King Kong. King Kong Lives. Yes. That's 86. Right. So, yeah, that's oh, right wow. around. I don't know. And that that's like movie a big step down movie. Because when, when, yeah. when the 70s one came out, he's like, this would be forever. We make a Kong movie every three years. Yeah. And then it was like seven years later. He's like, this is another <laughs> one. I don't know. Bring out the monkey. <laughs> <laughs> what year is it? Bring, bring out the ape. Um, Manhunter. 
he had made the year before. Uh, You know, it's always funny with him because it's like that mix of like Red Sonia, Year of the Dragon, like sort of trash, you know, Maximum Overdrive, and then like Blue Velvet, like you know, something where he's obviously like, well, putting his. I mean, the the commonality the block is that he to almost all of these. I don't remember who directed King Kong. Uh, John Gehrman? John Gehrman made the, the, the one you're talking okay, about. And returns. no, he made both. Okay, he made both. Yeah, the Twin you. Towers. Yeah. He made both of them. Yeah. yeah. All right, so with the exception of this person, <laughs> there is a commonality, which is working with directors who have visions. Yes, he real directors. kind of respected directors. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, you know, not it didn't always work. Yeah. Yeah, he, right. He's but, rolling the dice on proper visions mm-hmm. from real filmmakers. Obviously, he made like a bunch of Cronenberg movies. Right. Worked with um, what's his name, Richard Fleischer, right? Who right. is sort of a genius, weird hack. Like he made like Doctor Doolittle, but he also made like right. Amity 3D, Amityville 3D. The second Conan. He made Conan? Red Sonia. He made Red Sonia, okay. uh, and he did make the second Conan. Okay. He made Conan the Destroyer. Right. Um. Anyway. Uh, Richard Fleischman, one of those guys. When you just look at the totality of his career, and you're like, he starts in like then 1940s and 50s making like those movies where they're like we got a couple songs a comedy routine and a dancer and it's Um, called like make mine fun or whatever and a guy comes out and he's like thank you for coming to this picture show i went and saw there was a richard fleischer like retrospective somewhere and i was like what's playing today i saw this thing and i was like this can be a movie sure it's 45 minutes and a guy comes out and he's like thank you for putting on your nicest clothes for this picture here today there's a little of that, that that mood in Evil Dead too, as well. Absolutely, like a couple dance numbers. Yeah. <laughs> An interesting thing about this movie is that De Laurentiis actually stipulated that it should it had to be rated R. Mm-hmm. Then he saw the film, and they were like, "This will not be rated R." And for us to get even close to an R, you would it would be about sixty minutes long. We would have to cut out so much of the movie. Yeah. That De Laurentiis was like, "Okay, don't worry about it," and he created this subsidiary subsidiary company called rosebud right releasing which only released this film i was gonna say because it's quite a striking like little little fanfare at the beginning but it the, the, looks the little flower like blooming. uneasy like lynch blue, blue velvet, blue velvet. Right. but right. he created this subsidiary company they claimed at the time like yeah we had to sell it to rosebud because <laughs> we couldn't get an r rating out of it and <laughs> it was just him being supportive him being like look so it was you made your without movie. without a rating, then. Yes, right? I believe so. Wow. Um, and in, I tell you, Br- in Britain, release anything. <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> they have no standards. They don't care. Are trash. They're wild. Yeah. Uh, in Britain, it was banned uh, mm. for a while. I mean, it was like we talked about the video nasties. It was sort of a famous one for a bit. I think. Am I making that up? And like a deeply terrifying VHS cover. Like I feel Truly. like that was an image that haunted me as a child. Mm-hmm. And then later I was getting into nerd shit and Evil Dead 2 would be Maybe spoken about in such one. high regard. Yeah. And I'd be like, gosh, Evil just Dead 2. And then the day I put it together and I was like, that's Evil Dead 2? Right. Because the imagery so I what, knew of it at that time was all Ash stuff. Right. This this skull with an eyeball is the just... Skull with the eyeball. It never just, shows up in the movie. Just a striking idea. So when did you first see it? And what was the, I, the context? I think I was about 12. Perfect. Young. Right. Scary. I mean, I talked about it in our Evil Dead episode, but I was just like such a comic book store kid. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't listen to that one yet because it hasn't come out. No, I'm not saying this to you. I'm just saying this to In, in my timeline. Yes. Such a comic book store kid was going to conventions and stuff with my friend, was reading like Wizard Magazine and shit. Sure. And so these things would just be spoken of in very reverential right. tones. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just like, I think I need to see this. 
and the the very cool people who worked at the local video store kind of did me the mitzvah my mom walking up and being like is it okay for him to watch the evil dead and they were like it's it's like pretty goofy yeah yeah it's mostly a comedy don't worry mom right and then the guy said like you know aside from the tree rape he did say tree rape to my mom and i was like this guy's blown it and she was like yeah you can rent it (laughs) but but i was renting evil dead one mostly so i could watch evil dead two like it felt like i know that's the one that everyone talks about wait the guy left the the video store guy let you rent evil dead one yes he vouched for evil dead one with your mom yes an incredible Ooh, no, I don't, thing. I don't like this guy now. And I had a little, I had a little like TV with a built-in VCR. Sure. And I watched Evil it Dead. Was taped to your head. Yes, it was taped to my head. Uh, <laughs> Years seven to twenty. Yeah. No, but it was like a ten-inch screen at right. most. Uh, the way it was meant to be seen. Right. And I'd watch movies late at night, and I I watched that movie and was like, this is much scarier than I thought it would be. This yeah. movie's like upsetting, and but it was you also said like, Evil Dead One was goofy. I. I he was like, you know, it's like a horror movie. Like, it's fine, but it's like... What video store was this? TLA Video, Dearly Departed. Where Where was right. it? It was uh, in the West Village. What was this person's name? I don't remember. Jimbo. Bobby Moynihan worked at that store. Cool. He was one of the people who would sometimes do me the solid and be like, he can watch this. Was it Moynihan? It wasn't Moynihan. That wasn't Moynihan. I remember the guy's face. I couldn't tell you his name. I remember the guy's face. All right. But he anonymous he, Garfield tweeter. I want you to get on the case. Yeah, you have to figure this Look, out. Get it, Moynihan. I know. I know that you can. But the point is, I watched Evil Dead two like probably a week after Evil Dead one. Like that was one weekend, and that then the whole week sense. at school, I was like grabbing onto the armrest, going like, and then on Friday, I get to rent Evil Dead two, building up, and then watch it. And I had that like it, it could not know. have been more Your built up in my mind. Couldn't no brain is capable of taking that in. No, but Within I... Within the space of a week? Uh, no, no. It, it no. was truly the... No. I think it was two uh, consecutive weekends. And did when you I like it? Loved it. You did? Loved well, this it. is a real Griff right. horror film right. and it has lots of puppets and magic. Sure, sure, sure. First movie, I think... But I mean, if you if you yeah. were coming off of Evil... I don't care. I don't care whether you're 12. I don't care whether sure. you're 9. I don't care whether you're 8. Yeah. If you just watched Evil Dead 1... And a week later, you watch Evil Dead Two. That's a real, that's a real whiplash. But you know, Evil Dead Two was what I wanted. Like Evil right, Dead One, right. I was like, I get this. This is good. This is necessarily. Sure, I'm not going to watch it all the time. Right. And I was like, Evil Dead Two. I was like, Here we young, fucking young, go. Young Griff and his smoking jacket with his pipe going. I get this. I get this, this. is good. <laughs> I get this. No, this, this is not what I'm wanting. The thing good. I equated to was like First Terminator, which I have a lot of respect for now. I think at the first piece time, of trash. The first you time, think it's a piece of trash. I Terminator don't think it's one. a piece of trash. But Terminator the first time two, watching it, it's a I good was comparison. Like, this is set up, and then I'm going to get to the cool movie where the guy's the metal face and the fucking explodes and turns. Terminator into... Two is the movie that Terminator One wants it, and the exact know, movie yeah. you right. want to see as a 12 year old. I was, yeah, sure, right. So right. I think I was like, this is the grimy movie where they test out the ideas, and then I'm going to get to Evil Dead Two, which I know is the chainsaw movie. Like I knew. That's right. the thing. Right. I knew as like an Empire Magazine reader, as like someone who watched like Spaced. Right. Entertainment Weekly Edgar, right. talks about Bruce Campbell, like, these hush the tones, movie, and he's got right, a fucking chainsaw movie. And he has a chainsaw. I knew all that before I watched the movie. Like right. it, the, the lore had already. Where were entered. you when you watched the movie? The United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Yeah. And enjoy my restraint. <laughs> um, I mentioned in the first movie how what? I, how I think I discovered. I thought you said it was banned. No, well, the, the video nasties had all. Been unbanned. It's the yeah. first one that was a video nasty, not the second one. I, I checked that. It was okay. it was the first oh, one that okay. was a video nasty. So yeah. Evil Dead Two sailed through. But I mean, as I've talked about on this podcast, I did have that weird thing of like Clockwork Orange, Exorcist. These mm-hmm. were movies that got unbanned in Britain when I was like a teenager. Yeah, Britain had just thrown them on a ban list and been kind of like, who cares? You know, don't worry about it. David, and then like later, David I guess Sims has come of age. Been like, we're censoring. The prophecy like, has come true. <laughs> Oscar nominated films. <laughs> 
But you know, yes, it's so yes, crazy. Yes. Like, those are both Best Picture nominees. Yes, yes. And Britain was like, nay, they can't be seen in this country. Right. Yeah. Un- under no circumstances. Right. Like a theater once showed Clockwork Orange and Stanley Kubrick like sued them. Like, right. And you're like, is this like, is this the most cursed image? Right. Uh, yes. Um, but uh, I, I first, I think I first saw Evil Dead as the movie within the movie, the movie they're watching in Donnie Darko. I mentioned sure. that last time. Yeah. In Donnie Darko, they go see Evil Dead. I've yeah. never seen Donnie Darko. So let's watch mm. it. Throw it on. Okay. Yeah. Um, we'll do it right now. in the middle of this <laughs> live watch. Yeah. 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 Right. But uh, and then we're gonna listen to all of your good man Charlie Brown. Absolutely. Good. Yeah. yeah. That's a great, great, great musical. Oh. Um, Roof. Boom. Uh, what's it? Uh, the the Sally song is so good in that. But um, the book report. My new philosophy. My new oh, philosophy. Oh, oh, well, that's oh. that's an that's added. In, that's, that's in the revival. that's in the the Kristen Chenoweth revival. I know, but yes. it's so good. Because Sally wasn't in the show period in the original production, no. right? Sally no. was the new character. It's so it's Sally was the. the you want to get in some deep? Please. Absolutely. You're deep good deep man, Charlie People thought there's no way they circle back. <laughs> And if they do, After it's going to be 15 the, minutes at the top. They're going to let it lie. If they circle back, it'll be the end as always. They're not going to open a whole new sidebar. Sally, Sa- the Sally character was Patty in the original. Right. 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 Off Broadway. And it wasn't even a full musical. It was basically right. a workshop right. for a musical. And Gary Berghoff was. Gary Berghoff and Bob Balaban were in the original. Wow. Was Balaban Linus? Or he was Linus. And Berghoff was Charlie Brown. Yeah. Kristen Chenoweth doing My New Philosophy in the 90s revival or whatever you want to yeah. call it. The, the sort of new songs by Andrew Lippa is one of the great Broadway performances, in my opinion. You can yeah. listen to it any time where she's basically having an argument with herself throughout singing a yeah. song. Right. It is unbelievable. It was also one of those so things. So fucking good. I feel like if someone breaks out on Broadway and becomes a like crossover name sure. in, in filmed media sure. right, to the public at large, it is usually because the show that they're a part of is such a cultural phenomenon. And the Charlie Brown revival like did okay didn't run as long as they thought it would. Right. But I just remember that New York Times review coming out and there being like a star. Sure. And she wins the Tony and yeah. everyone's like, put her in sitcoms, put her in movies. Like this is obviously, everyone needs to know her name. So much, we- you know, when I stopped representing Bruce Campbell, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go right ahead. I was going to make a joke about how she's short. That's all. Please. Her only problem is she's a foot tall. Yeah, <laughs> it's astonishing though. She's very small. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's a small very person. small. Person. Martin Short did that joke on the set of Mulaney, where he, what was the, th- he improvised a bit. It was him. I'm just sorry to go on this sidebar. No, but I don't even remember what I was going to say. Unaired TV pilot, so I can share jokes because no one right. will see them ever otherwise. And the bit is that Mulaney like wants to quit his job writing for Martin Short, who's this hack comedian who right. has a game show. He's like, I, I don't need you. I can make up my own bits. Look, I can do physical comedy. And there was nothing written. Right. And his bit he did was he picked up a toothpick and went, uh, look, it's uh, Kristen Chenoweth's walking stick. <laughs> Martin I'll Short, never forget that. Martin Short, it's very funny. Yeah. That's very funny. funny. I, don't, I think that was only in a rehearsal he did that. Uh, so he didn't do it on the show. No, Kristen well. Chenoweth's walking stick. So, yeah, when I stopped representing Bruce Campbell mm-hmm. and I stopped being a literary agent, mm-hmm. I spent some years in the wilderness writing for magazines Mm -hmm. and then i wrote a book of fake facts yes uh your guarantor that's what i yeah what's that the guarantor to your career the guarantor to my career to use blank there is my expertise i remember seeing sitting in my college apartment watching what college newcastle university oh sure how do you know that watching more for 
the British channel that aired The Daily Show. Right. Mm. And which was sort of like, not Channel 4, that's regular. That's not right. E4, that's for the youth. Right. <laughs> More 4. More it's kind of for people who for you know, drink some tea. Yeah. No, not for Jordies. <laughs> and you being on it. I remember that's a clear memory for that me. That's was, all. Well, I promoted that show on The Daily Show. Yeah. That book on The Daily Show. Mm-hmm. And that's what led me to be on The Daily Show mm-hmm. and changed my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it all happened because of your good man, Charlie Brown, the Lucy song, where she tells Linus all these fake facts. You and see, that, that was what gave that me the idea. That was the inspiration. Oh, I listened to that all the time. When it I was is funny. Kid. I mean, you see that bird there? It's called an eagle. Christmas and Thanksgiving, we eat them. It's like, what a good fucking show. That's such a great show. I sing Bring the opening back. number in the shower a lot. Bring, it's, What's that? Oh, you're a good man, Charlie Brown. I mean, it's been 20 years. I don't want to get you in trouble with ASCAP. His solo of like, everybody says to me. Also new to the show. Interesting. <clears throat> An add on to the original yeah. world, I guess. Or like that, he expanded did that whole. B.D. Wong played Linus. Yes, correct. And did he win a Tony or was it just no? Nominated? It was Roger Bart and Kristen Chenoweth. Roger Bart. This was a very pivotal production for me. I, I was like wow. obsessed yeah. with this Broadway. Are you this into this ben? You iteration into this? of "You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown." Roger I'm Bart. I'm glad you guys are having fun. <laughs> Roger, <laughs> Roger Bart and Chenoweth were like the two it's breakouts. Tony talk. Right, they won the Tony. Tony Bart talk won a Tony as well. Right, right, and he played Schroeder. Right, he played Snoopy. He played Snoopy. So Roger sorry. Bart was yes, Snoopy. Right. Stanley Wayne Mathis was Schroeder. This top nog. Anthony Rapp was Charlie Brown. Right. Is that thing? I forget who played Lucy. That's uh, the Ilana Levine is okay. the actress. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's kind of a loaded uh, cast there. Yeah. yeah. Um and a uh, bunch of yeah, BD Wong was Linus, right? No yes. pig pen. No, no well, tough pig to do pen. on stage. We can have a sort of cloud Sam Raimi could figure it out. He would. Yeah. He would figure it out. I want to. I want to see uh, Julie Taymor's pig pen. I want Julie Taymor to <laughs> loop in Bono on the edge again. <laughs> Just give me forty-five million dollars. I could give you a pig pen musical. Um, that but that was nineteen ninety-nine. It's been a long time. It's high time for it's another time. Charlie Brown. Anyway. It's high time. You gonna be in it? Yeah. Who, Who are you gonna, gonna be? be? Woodstock. Non-singing part, non-speaking part, non-singing, non-speaking, maybe right. n- not visible, maybe not being, <laughs> maybe not written into the a non-being part. Right, yeah. I'm playing Woodstock <laughs> yeah. in that. I'm not in it, yeah. but yeah, you know, yeah, I'm ready yeah. anytime. Spiritually, they, they told me canonically, I am Woodstock in this production. <laughs> that that's the the Norm Macdonald joke. I think I've told it. It's my favorite. Where he's like, I'm getting weight for a role, and they're like, What role? And he's like, oh, I don't know, but they always need fat guys. <laughs> 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 like, there's there's a comedian, I know Adam Cousins, who does a bit where anytime there's a movie that's set in space and they show Earth. Earth, he will add it to his IMDb as extra uncredited. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Uh, uh, what tangents. haven't we talked about? Evil, Evil Dead, Dead Two, the big head thing. Big yeah. head fills the door. Mm. Right, right, goes right. back in time. Right, because you have scary tree. The, how late they get to tree in this movie, considering how like the tree is sort of the. Well, I like that uh, his reaction to hearing she went out. I was like, oh, she's dead. Huh. <laughs> you know, you know, right. What she do? <laughs> right. one. I should have mentioned that. And she runs out. There's the blackout. The lights go out, and yeah. then the next thing you see is her running out of the cabin. They're all like, "This fucking idiot!" Right, right. Um, oh, this is yeah. the Holly Hunter. Uh, yes, Bobby, Bobby Joe. Joe. Right. And you have this sort of tamer version of the tree attack that that mostly. Built to her just being dragged She's out. just being dragged. Dragged right. by yeah. vines. Right. You have the spooky tree. And then they start right. translating the pages. Annie, right. right well, then, first, I have to bash open the these these incredibly valuable ancient artifacts are kept in a 
in a shadow box that cannot be opened by any other means than throwing it on the floor. It's funny that this movie opens with like the the book mythology as it well. Does. This right. very, it's uh, a, more in on dramatic. the book, yeah. Right, right. Rather yeah. than just like, what's this weird object we found? The movie at the beginning is telling you like, there was a book. I mean, obviously they this called movie it the book repeats death. the camera is the sort of secret villain thing, right? right? Like where right. the camera's rushing at him and all that. But it Which is, is like such an incredible gimmick to make uh, up when you have zero dollars. Exactly. It's so yeah. brilliant. Right. right. This movie opening with the book is very logical. Like yes. with the, with that little bit of flavor, but, right? You know. But yeah, the opening But there's of nothing the first like the opening of the first movie. Yeah. The camera yeah. just whooshing through this swamp and you're right. just like I'm unsettled. Oh, like right. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. And, yeah. and the moment you realize like this isn't a stylistic flourish. This is the the visualization of, of evil. the menace, right? right. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, we have a special guest on the podcast. I don't know the the the, the camera from the Evil Dead is here. Uh, it's, it is here oh, in the corner. Yeah, it's whipping around. Yeah, 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 he's zooming all around um, like a fly. We're trying to bat him out. What's it like area. to work with Sam Raimi? <laughs> <laughs> Very professional. <laughs> it is one of those things though. When she breaks up in the pages and she explains that it's like part one is you have to physicalize it. You have to bound the right. evil into flesh. Part two is you open a portal that you can send it through. It's the only way to rid this thing. Classic. You're sort of like, how is this movie going to? visualize this thing like clearly they can't have any budget left any scope sure. left and then this giant fucking horrible face <laughs> fill up the door with the face yeah that was the, that was the that was the that was the moment you finally got to see me all <laughs> <laughs> Um, but then there's also the pages go down into the fruit cellar and Bruce has got to go get the pages. Right. That old right. gimmick. Which is fun. Going yeah. down to that cellar is always the fun. Most hor- the most horror movie part of the yes, thing. Yes, very yeah. much so. And also a reveal of yet a, yet a, a new secret basement within the secret basement. Because, well, right, because there's the Henrietta sequence. Where, where, I mean, it's just so, so he goes funny. goes all the way in there and then right. he opens up the door to the other part of the right. secret But basement, we like we haven't followed in, up on those for the pipes wrapped in rags or something. Right. Ste- steamy pipes wrapped in rags. You set up those four. You don't see them for a while. You're so caught up in like the Bruce mania, right? And the next thing you know, this guy jumps through the window, starts punching him in the face. It's like intruder, intruder, lock him in the basement. Yes. Right. Then once they have a moment to settle, they're like, "Wait, he dismember? He wouldn't dismember our mother, and he wouldn't kill her." Like they start right. playing the tape, and it's now a later part of the tape you haven't heard. And he's like, "Anyway, what I was supposed to do." <laughs> <laughs> what I did instead and then that realization of that like that archaeologist really paused the tape at the wrong time I know that's you know but like it's I would, it, you well, talk no, about I'd just, play the tape we talked about this yeah. on the last I yeah. would play the tape this the, is a tape player the endless imagination of like this yeah. is the form of Henrietta this is wild and then the added thing of like oh also her face can change into this and she has the teeth and the neck goes out right it's it's she just a like, uh, snaky head a snaky head yeah yeah the end of this movie. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, we we mentioned it's like Jake the, Jake right. getting dragged down the cellar and then one million gallons of blood coming out, right? Um, or the, the second million gallons of blood, yeah, right. So far, uh, deadite ash getting snapped out of it by the necklace. Right. I'm all right of now. Love. I'm all right now. Um, yeah. That necklace is so dumb, though. I'm sorry. I agree. Sammy it's Bruce. it's yeah. a little it's a little bit of a goofy. What do you yeah. use that necklace for? Uh, 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 frying ants. It, that's the problem. It it's actually a little magnifying just, glass. It looks what is, dumb. It's a bad. It's, it's, a, it's a dorky looking. Necklace. It's a that's it's a true. shitty gift. Maybe that's why it pops him. He's like, yeah. oh, it's a dorky necklace. Well, that's oh, all right. I can't you believe need, I can't it, she went out with me. You need it to I, wedge in your brain. Yeah. Uh, but I just love the like. I mean, it makes sense when you know that what they wanted to do was this movie. But it also just watching it, it could play as like, the, what's the ironic Twilight Zone ending to this movie? Like, how do you fuck with this guy further? Right. Well, because the first one uh, basically has that. 
with the, the yes. final jump of him right. getting crept up on by he the gets, camera. Yeah, he gets dead. Right. Yeah. Um, but obviously, this one he gets you know zapped into the past. I mean, right. that's the. I mean, don't you think that's that's pretty Twilight Zone? Twilight Zone. That's enough what I was for saying. Oh, you're, no, you're no, sorry, no, yeah. no. I'm oh, saying. I thought you were asking us to punch this movie. No, up. no, no, no. Right. I'm sorry. saying. I'm like, it, I can't. I can't do better than that. It yeah. very much feels like a Twilight Zone ending of like, right. what's the final indignity? Now he can never even go back to his time. Right. 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 And his job is to kill these monsters. I guess. Yeah. I do. Love, I'm just looking at the big monster right now. It's pretty cool. He looks like a monster from the game Doom. It looks like the villain or yeah. one of the yes. floating yeah. like yeah, yeah. heads. We're talking about game. like uh, oh, the game Doom. Yeah, the mm-hmm. video game. Correct. Oh, yeah, I haven't played that. Doom where you go around like ho- oh Doom. Yeah, not Doom. Doom. Oh, excuse me. Well, Doom was inspired by Evil Dead too. Directly. Really? Is that true? Yes. That, that makes, makes perfect sense. sense. That makes it, yeah. Monsters. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they're but just like, walking around. That's the thing about Evil monsters. Dead yeah. and Evil Dead 2. It's pretty vague. It's like, and then of eh, course they're monster yeah. thingies. Yeah. And yeah. Duke Nukem ripped off tons of lines. Well, he's right. From. Yes. He's, yeah. just, from, he's a yeah. reskinned Bruce Campbell. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But Doom the, the video game. Yeah. I thought you were talking about Doom the movie, which I tried and failed to bring up earlier. Uh Try to bring it up in every conversation, but yeah. I thought you were talking about the the monster kind of looked like the third stage guild navigator in David Lynch's Dune, which is not wrong. Sure, it does. A lot it of, is not wrong. A lot of pinky, rubbery. It's a cool design. Yeah, obviously. exactly. But yeah. Uh, like, but I'm that, not a, a hardcore Dune hand, but I you know about the guild navigator, right? I'll show I was going to say no. I was going to say I miss them from the Villeneuve. Well, that's the, that's we're my favorite get next, element of the we're Lynch movie. Get them next okay. time. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah, oh yeah. To me, that was one of the great graces of the of the Villeneuve movie, which I loved. Uh huh. Was that they didn't touch the third stage guild navigator, the most important character in my heart? Because, well, the because thing that about is exactly what I wanted to be when I was thirteen years old. The when Lynch that movie, movie came out. leads with that. I just wanted to right, be a sexless creature in a in a I, tank. I just love the way they look. It's super cool. But yeah. the Lynch movie leads with it, and you're like, the book doesn't exactly lead with these. No, guys. that was David yeah. Lynch saying, "Get ready." Exactly. So right. Lynch is kind of just like. This is my vibe, just FYI. Right. Like, just this so is know, my whole deal with this. There's going to be a floating penis <laughs> vagina in a tank. And the then anytime they, you know how like in like, Star we're gonna Wars, explain, we're going to explain, we're going to have this floating penis vagina explain the plot to you. Yes, yeah. but this is important and, and information. Madsen, try and try and not to get way. too freaked right. out that it's a right. floating penis well, vagina in the, a tank. The other thing is Virginia Madsen, where he's like, well, the book is narrated by this character, so Virginia Madsen, and she, yes, yeah, so she'll narrate it, and then it, the last scene she'll show up and be like, hi, by the way, it's me. But no, I feel like. In Star Wars, it's like, you know when you jump to hyperspeed, you pull a fucking thing and it yeah. goes, bam! That's cool, right? right? Well, in Dune, that experience will be the the penis vagina floating around for a while, and then I cut to a black hole, maybe. You know, it'll yeah. be the opposite of that. Yeah. The opposite vibes. It's right. the, um, it's, yeah. It, it, Which it, I love. Right. It folds space. Mm. Speaking of the new Dune. I did it. I got it. Back to Dune. I pulled it away from Charlie Brown, pulled it away from Pigpen, got it back to Dune. I think we will see... Kid Dune does it again. Some version of the Guild Navigators, obviously, you know, the the big boys, the stage three. Third stage. Mm. Because in the, you know, in the Villeneuve movie, we do see these guys. Those are the second stage. Right, but these Mm -hmm. are, they're they're amateurs, right? That was the implication I got. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) These guys are rookies. Right, right, right. right. That's what I assumed. You saw them right They're fishbowl heads. But they're going to grow. Yeah, yeah they, they're gonna but turn. But so you know, Dune, Dune two, we see them. We'll meet Fade Rautha. There'll be lots of you know fun harkening. You don't have stuff. to convince me. I'm I all, know. I'm on board. I'm just excited. I was just so glad to to not have third stage guild navigator erasure with some new idea. Yes, so sure. I could hang right. on to you my can, guy. You can ease in for a little while longer. The anyway, Avatar of Hodgman, Evil Dead two. This I was not here. This never happened. Uh, I did not say these things. I was not here. That's what he says. This film did. Fine. Yeah. It made $6 million. Mm-hmm. 
But once again, it was a video thing. Like it, 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 right. That's where all the money comes from. Yeah. Um, the reviews were positive, but a little baffled. Yeah. I think they were all sort of like, it runs out of energy. Like the energy is so intense, and then like that seemed to be. That's an incorrect. I agree with that, but I can also imagine critics statement. being like, "I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this." Like, of course, right. yeah, this exactly. movie's like 84 minutes with credits. Like watching, you're like, "How can they sustain this tone?" Right, and it's like they're just going to get in, and get out as quickly as they can. Right, you know, Ebert's review very much does understand like this is a comedy. Like, yeah. right, whereas I think others were sort of like, "It's so slapstick, but it's so violent." Like, mm-hmm. what a strange mixing of tones. Like, uh, you know, but um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just it, it it's, depends yeah. on whether you accept strange mixings of, of tones, yeah, as an, an artistry or mistake, right? Right. And if you look at this movie, you could read it as a mistake. There are people who you go, could. "You can't do both at the same time. You have to pick." Right. You can look at Bruce Campbell and say he's a he's a good actor, yeah. Or you could look at him and say he's a cornball bad actor, but. You, what you have to appreciate is he is the most brilliant actor of bad acting. Yes. And uh, like watching him in the, in this again for the first time in many years, n- now on the other side of having done my imitation of acting, I realize now how talented he is. Like he, he's every, an he's unbelievable in technical every, actor. Yes. Every muscle in his, his face instrument. And right. And he can flip himself over. Right. Ben mentioned. But then even, anything. I mean, a, a movie I adore, Bubba Hotep, which is, yeah. you know, on oh, its face, movie. one of the most absurd premises for a movie ever. Do you know this one, Ben? No. Uh, ben, can Bubba I tell Hotep? you what Bubba Hotep is about? Can I give you the gift of telling you what Bubba Hotep is about? <laughs> yeah, sure. Bubba Hotep is from the director of Phantasm and Beastmaster. Yeah. Don Coscarelli. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh, Bruce Campbell plays a man known as Sebastian Half, who people think was an Elvis impersonator and is now in a retirement home. Okay. Okay. He claims adamantly that he was the real Elvis. Yes. He's the real Elvis. Fame got too hot. Mm-hmm. He needed to cool off. So he went low and remade himself as an Elvis impersonator and he got too deep in it. And no one believes he's the real guy now. And he hired a, 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 a stand in right. to take over for him. Right. Who became like depressing, fat, him. paranoid, oh, shit on the toilet sure. by Elvis. Right. Right. Um, so he's at this retirement home where he's trying to like come to terms with his sense of self, where no one believes him except for one other person at the retirement home. Ossie Davis. Who, Davis. who is a man in a wheelchair who swears to God that he is John F. Kennedy, that they didn't <laughs> shoot him, they kidnapped him, and they dyed him black. He's, he's played by a black actor. And he's Got like, it. I am JFK. Yeah. They just did me over. Sure. This is me sure. now. Okay. Right. And even Bruce Campbell is like, this guy's probably a little crazy. I'm the real Elvis, of course. Right. right. Yeah. So that that's the setup of the movie. Unfortunately, a redneck mummy gets conjured. <laughs> a redneck mummy? Yes. Correct. Mm-hmm. He's a Bubba Hotep, if you will. Aha. Uh-huh. He's uh-huh. a rotting mummy in like a cowboy shirt and hat and okay. boots. Okay. And he's stealing souls. Is that correct? correct. He's From going the retirement. To retirement and home. how is he stealing the souls? Oh, fuck this. Does he suck them out of their butts? What's that? What? Does he Say suck them out of their butts? I'm one more time. He the sucks them out of their butts. He sucks their souls out of their butts. He sucks the souls out of their butts. He's stealing the souls of the retirees in this retirement community by sucking them 
out of their anuses. And it and it's like unforgiven for Bruce Campbell playing old Elvis, being like, "It's a brilliant I, movie. I got to get him my walker mommy. and be the last stand against this Bubba Hotel." <laughs> but he's, he's so, so good, good. In it. He's and really it's like good. a very naturalistic. Performance. It's kind of a lovely performance. It's like, from what like I remember. filled with pathos. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was I gotta those, fucking see this. It's Wait, great. It was Just one of those cult movies. Yeah, some of the best butt sucking ever committed. Yeah, I feel like when it came out. It had been years since Evil Dead right. and Briscoe County. And everyone was just finally like, a round of applause for Bruce <laughs> yes. Campbell, please. Right? Yes. Like, the critics were very kind to that movie. Yeah. It's a fun, silly movie. But they were also just like, this guy, this guy, he, he takes it seriously. Yeah. He'll be in the silliest thing and he'll yeah. give it his all. Like It was really like a sort of standing O for Bruce. Yeah. And Ozzy Davis is really good in it, too. Yeah, the whole movie rolls. It's a good fun. That's one of my father's, like, five favorite movies ever. He read the review in the newspaper, and he was like, what is this thing? And I was like, that's a Bruce Campbell picture, Dad. And he was like, you want to see this? And I went, yeah. And then when I got out of school, he called me, and he was like, I bought two tickets to Bubba Hotel. Let's go tonight. Oh, Uh, wow. And for years, he would recommend it to anyone he talked to. And he was like, it was kind of a friend test for me. Yeah. I'd be like, you want to see a good movie, watch Bubble Hotep. And if certain people didn't get it, right. he'd maybe distance himself. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. Bruce Campbell's a great actor. Yeah. This but is, yeah, the critics didn't know what to make of it. Yes. It's like, it's, it's stabilized. Very much so. And yeah. obviously VHS is where it finds its mm-hmm. following, much like the last movie. This is obviously a classic. Uh, the sequel is better. Movie, mm-hmm. Right, like if people, yes, if you ever reading a list in a magazine right. in the '90s, it's like right. of Godfather, Terminator, Empire Strikes Back, Aliens. Terminator. Mm-hmm. Like these right. are the ones right. people might throw yeah. out. You guys agree? Better than the original. I agree. I certainly. Yeah. I, I, I do too. I just. I have more appreciation for Evil Dead One now. A movie I I always liked, but rewatching it recently because I mean. I rewatched both of these movies a lot as a teenager and mm-hmm. don't think I had seen either film in about 10 or 15 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, rediscovering both of them, they both were better than I remembered. Right. I love them even more now. I think one is such an impressive achievement in so many ways. It but is, that's but the thing. And it's also just, fun to see such an elbow greasy movie, but honestly, right. so is this. So it's like, right. you know. Yeah, but Evil Dead is the movie that Sam and Rob and Bruce and the others all made. In order to make other movies. Right. Yeah. And it is, I mean, I've not seen it in many, many years. Yeah. Um, I'm. It's great, yeah. you know, but Evil Dead 2 is a statement of vision. Yes. This yes. is the movie the, the movie they wanted to make. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. Not just the Evil Dead movie they wanted to make, but the right. kind the of kind, movie. Yeah, this is what we wanted to make. Can we use this the Evil we Dead to make the kind of movie? Visually right. kinetic, unpin-downable or whatever. And what right. makes the later Sam Raimi movies so weird is that they are so conventional. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen A Simple Plan yeah. or The Gift. I don't. I ever saw For the Love of the Game. Uh-huh. I haven't seen The Gift. I've seen, right. Yeah, but I remember going to those movies and not feeling Sam Raimi there right. well, look, we'll until get, I saw Spider-Man. We'll get to that episode, I but I, my read on it has always been the Coen brothers' crossover to legitimacy combined with him having movies like Dark Man that were like liked, would explode on video, and he could never make the movie that like crossed over into being like right. a hit at the time. Right. Uh, he talked about that he felt like when he would go in for things, people would be like, oh, you do the Sam Raimi thing, the kinetic thing. And someone else was supposed to direct Simple Plan until like right beforehand. And he was like, I want to just get a good script and show people that I can place the camera down. Right. Like it was almost a challenge. Yeah. Right. A and a Simple challenge. Plan is right. such a 
Cohen Z yes right right the cast he's like i just want to work with actors crime goes wrong what a tangled good piece of material right Right. and no which is absolutely right uh yeah and of course you know like i was gonna say dark man is is mike nichols thank you mike nichols was like this close to doing simple plan right right oh really yeah i was that i knew i knew there was months before film and i just read mark harris's book and i think it mentions it so i don't know if the timing is the same because i don't know which came first but like dark dark man is obviously Sam Raimi in the in the terms that we're talking about, yes. very Sam Raimi. Yeah, but then like the last place where I felt like I saw Sam Raimi before Spider Man was uh, Hudsucker Proxy, which right. he yes. wrote, which he wrote, right? And, and it Campbell was their Zane. reunion with yes. it was his reunion with the Coen Brothers. Right. That's and after it, Dark Man and before Quick of the Dead. Yeah, which and, and also and also is just like boy, you know, you think like Sam Raimi's so great and the Coen Brothers so great, and when they get together, it's supposed to be heart to heart. They'd be murder, right? But it's like. It's these weird projects that people either love or hate. I know. Hudsucker, Crime Wave just goes away. Hudsucker is my favorite was Cohen not, movie. Was but not it, liked at no, the time. No, no, no. It's, but it's, it's such a film. great, it's lovely such a movie. movie. And Ray, I mean, we should call this out. Uh, Raimi, by all accounts, I mean, he was the second unit director in that movie. And his big sequence in that is the hula hoop montage of the sale of the hula oh, really? hoop, which is yeah. just like yeah. that whole fucking sequence is masterful. Yeah, it's yeah. so great. I'm going to watch it again tonight. Yeah. How about that? One of my favorite movies. Yeah. yeah. Durning. 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 Not counting. Let's play the box office. Yeah. Sorry. Newman. No, don't be Paul Newman. Paul Newman. Sure, sure. He's in that one. He's in that movie. Um, Bruce Campbell. Bruce, yeah, Bruce Campbell. Campbell's so funny in that movie. Smitty? I think his character's in Smitty. Smitty. Yeah. That gag's got whiskers on it. He only sits in backwards chairs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in the newsroom where uh, uh, female lead, uh, Jennifer, uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Jason Lee, right? And, and here are always gabbing. Yeah. They're always jawing. Yeah. There's this big sign it's in the back of the newsroom that just says, is it interesting? <laughs> <laughs> that movie so is so beautiful. Good. Such a beautiful movie. And it's movie. gorgeous. That's the thing, right? It's actually yeah. beautiful to look at. Um, this film came out on March 13th, 1987. And okay. as you noted, so did Raising Arizona. Wow. Maybe I maybe I should have not given that in. Well, well, Raising Arizona opened on one screen, so sure. it's not in oh, the Oh, that's right. Five, it it opened right. at the Harvard movie theater, Harvard Square movie theater, where I saw it with Charles Diggs. Damn. Really? Well, that's where I saw it. I don't think oh, that was the okay. screen it opened okay. on. But, no, but uh, uh, yes, it's on one screen. It made uh, $36,000, which is a lot of money for yeah. one screen, actually. Yeah. But uh, Evil Dead 2 opens number 14. So neither of these films yeah. are in the top. Okay. Five, or so even the top something 10. else. Yeah. Okay. But both films, I mean, obviously Blood Simple was a huge thing and it won at Sundance and it, but like this is the entree. Yeah. True. Oh, and there's entree the Blood Simple reference in Evil Dead 2 Absolutely. where he's dragging the person. Dragging the body along and says yeah. something about Blood Simple. Yeah. yeah. Number, Sorry. Number one at the box office is an action film. Number one at the box office. Is it uh, canonical action star? Absolutely. Canonical action franchise. Canonical action franchise. The first one. It's the first one. Is it Predator? Nope. It's 86 or 87. This is 1987. So it is the Predator year. The Predator is not to be seen. I know. I'm just trying to But he is, of course, here. invisible. He is, of course, invisible. Uh, is it Lethal Weapon? It's Lethal Weapon. With Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. Mm. They're cops. And they've got a lethal weapon. A gun. <laughs> no, it's Mel Gibson's character. I have movie, never seen weapon. a single lethal weapon movie. You know, the first one is kind of great. I've only seen the first one. Uh, it's, it's that guy, Shane Black. Shane Black. Right? Shane Black wrote it. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, right. And Richard Donner directed it. And Gibson is, you know, really good in it. Uh, mm-hmm. It is good. It is. It's. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's very eighties. I used to enjoy watching Mel Gibson a lot. Indeed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, and that's a. Per, it's a pretty perfect use of him. That movie. It is. I mean, he's. Yeah. He's. He's crazy. He's a lethal weapon. Right. All on his own. Right. 
And then Danny that, that Glover. does some Three Stooges stuff in that, doesn't a he? Lot. Doesn't he do a That's lot. That's a very, very Three Stooges. Very, and he yeah, watches yeah. Three Stooges. Uh, yeah. And then Danny Glover is getting a little old for this he, shit. He's like 42. I would argue he's too old for this shit. Yeah. Uh, That's one of the... Danny Glover, younger than all three of us? Yeah. Probably. Right. Yeah. Um, number two at the box office is a horror sequel. One you love. One I love. Uh, in a famed horror franchise. An entry in that uh, Is it Dream Warriors? It's Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors. Really good one. Has a absolutely mm-hmm. banging song by fuck. I want to get this right. Uh Freddy Krueger. Patty Dawkins. Uh, Dawkins. Doc- Doc- right. Dream Warriors. That's and all I remember about that movie. Darabont wrote that one? Other than they, it's a team up, right? They get yes. to, the, the teens get Lawrence together Fishburne, and decide to take Heather Lane Kemp from the first movie. Lawrence Fishburne's in it? He is. Right? Yeah, he's the order. Oh. Yeah. Patty Arquette, Arquette, obviously, yeah. and uh, John Saxon, and right. a lot of cool people. Josh Gabor's in that movie. They take the fight to Freddy himself. It's yes. a really fun movie, it's and so it looks fun. cool. It's directed by Chuck Russell. It was written by Darabont and yeah. Wes Craven and Bruce Wagner and yeah. Chuck Russell. Hmm. Um, it's a lot of fun. Number three at the box office is the Best Picture winner of 1986. 1986. Uh, you always forget this one. Platoon? Nah, well, you got it. Nope. Uh, I got it. The streak has broken. Hell. <laughs> I feel like Platoon would be one you'd always miss because yes. it's sort of like not I've your, never seen not yeah, movie not Platoon. Thing. I don't like war. You movies. never seen Platoon? Never seen Platoon. You know, it's one of those movies where you're like, I can see how this was different. Mm-hmm. Now you're like, this this has been done. This so is many what times. everyone does, it's right? But felt... I can see how this felt immediate and new and raw. Like, yeah, you know, I don't know. I I mean, it's I... the same deal with Deer Hunter, where you watch that and you're like, I can see how this kind of blew people's minds, and now it feels a it little. It became corny. so iconic so quickly that I felt like there did nothing for right. Me. Um, Deer Hunter's that's, unwieldy, that's but there, John there are Deer Hunter is things. incredible sequences. Right, that's like, the thing. There's sequences in it where you get it. And Platoon, it's like so much of that movie's legacy when you read like the coverage of it at the time was just like he made the actors go to boot camp. And right, and it's like, and he served in Vietnam and it's right. about his experiences. And like it's the eighties, so people are because Deer Hunter is not a good representation of the war in Vietnam. It's no. this very operatic movie. Right. This is like this is what it was like. They were doing drugs and they were right. disaffected. Right. And again, now you're like, well, duh. Yeah, duh. I've seen Vietnam movies, like, right? Yeah, right. You know. Anyway, but it is, you know, it's good. It's it's well done. Um, it's just funny that, yeah. Anyway, uh, number four at the box office is, I think it's sort of a dark comedy. Mm-hmm. It's from a big director, mm-hmm. but it's one of his kind of smaller. He would often make these kind of slice of life movies set in his hometown. So it's a Barry Levinson. It's a Barry Levinson film. It's one of his Baltimore films. It's Tin Men Mm. with Danny DeVito and Richard Dreyfuss about used car sales. No, no. They sell aluminum side. Right. That's what it is. That's why they're Tin Men. Right. They're Tin Men. Uh, I've never seen it. I've always I heard that it's good. I did see that movie, but I have no memory. I, I, I was a diner, Avalon, was, Liberty Heights. I was going to say Avalon. Right. Avalon's That's wonderful. later. Yeah. Right. Uh, recent. But Avalon, hey, I'm not I remember, playing this game. I'm just an observer. I remember Avalon being kind of the grandest. That's the sort of like yeah. sort of godfathery, yeah. except without crime. Really right? paid off. Yeah. yeah. Um, number five of the box office is a horror film from sort of a major director of the time. Although I feel like nobody talks about him anymore. Hmm. 1987. 1987. It's got, I mean, this will give it away. It's not a franchise. It's a standalone horror film. Standalone horror film. This will give it away, but it's got a famous twist. Is it Jacob's Ladder? It's not Jacob's Ladder, but you're on the right track. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, uh, Angel Heart. It's Angel Heart. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No one saw that coming. Yeah. What's the Lewis twist? Cipher. This character play called Louis Cipher, who's played by Robert De Niro, 
Lewis Cipher. Who could he be? He's kind of evil. Wait a second. Lewis Cipher. Lucifer. Oh, he's the shit. devil. Shit. I didn't see that coming. At he's all. the literal devil. Oh. Yeah. And it's um, Mickey. Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke. And, and Lisa, um, Bonet. Lisa Bonet. Lisa Bonet, who got fired from the unmentionable naked. sitcom. Yeah. And and right. uh, fired no fired off of a different world for making that movie. Right. Right. Yes. No. Yeah. Um, so Lou. Lou Cipher. He eats an egg. I remember he's got like a whole thing with like hard boiled eggs. Hard boiled eggs. It's an Alan Parker movie. Alan sounds like the devil to me. Hard boiled eggs. Exactly. But you know, like Alan Parker, someone put him in our Reddit. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I've always sort of poo pooed him because he made movies that I feel like haven't aged that well. But like, it's a crazy list Mm -hmm. because it's Bugsy Malone. (laughs) Yeah. Kids shooting ice cream guns at each other. We could have been anything that we wanted to be. Bum, 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 bum. It's a crazy movie. Midnight Express. Saw, saw that yeah. in the thea- saw it in the theater. Did you enjoy Bugsy it? Malone? It it really unnerved me. It's, it's very weird. Honestly, <laughs> yes. I don't like. Uh, and all and all and all the Model Ts that they drive around in are pedal powered. They're, they're right. powered by. That's the thing with him, you know. Now that I'm looking at it, it's like he switches from kind of like a because it Bugsy Miller and then Midnight Express, so serious right, right. movie about being in a Turkish prison, right? Sure. And then, then unlike did, all of those lighthearted comedies about being. But in I'm a saying like prison. he would switch from goofy to serious. Yes. Like, right. This yeah. is because then it's fame. Right. Back to like, okay, we're singing and dancing. Yeah. We're going uh, to school. Except for the one scene with Coco. No, no, mm. there's some rough stuff in fame. I mean, there's then some shoot real, the moon. There's some and real. then Pink Floyd, hey, the can wall. I, can I say this to Ben? Yeah. Ben, there's some real shit in fame. Okay. Okay. They okay. want to live forever. Don't go in there just thinking it's their song and dance. It's not, what did you call it? Let's have some fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's have some fun. <laughs> oh, um, uh, if you want fame, you're going to have to work. Birdie, which I'm sure must be a favorite of yours, it's, right? Uh, well, it's got Nick Cage. I know. Was Shoot the Moon and Nick Cage? We were confusing that with something else. Shoot the Moon does not. It's like Albert Finney, Diane Keaton, Karen Allen. Oh, okay. I'm thinking of what's a, it's called Racing the Moon or something. That's mm. uh, Sean Penn and Nicolas Cage. Right. I have. It's a coming of, of age. Uh, Angel Heart, Mississippi yeah. Burning, which is another like serious movie mm-hmm. that's maybe a little dated feeling now. Was kind Racism of is right, bad. Right. Turns out yeah. these guys were bad. Yeah. Uh, come see the Paradise. I don't know. The Commitments. Back to Lighthearted. Winning over word of mouth. Now, I have seen The Commitments recently. Mm. And can I say this to Ben? Yes. Permission to speak directly to Ben? Granted. Have you seen The Commitments? No. Well, it fucking slaps <laughs> it really does Fuck, it right? is a great movie it's one of those movies kind of in the vein of <laughs> he you you stared so deeply he really into did. i didn't know what he was going to say <laughs> I didn't although i agree with you but you know what i mean like you watch billy elliott and you're like oh this is good i can see why this was right. a phenomenon you know the commitments you're like this so should be cheesy but it's so winning yeah. <laughs> and the, you the music kind of rules so hard and the yeah. band is so good yeah. and that guy the the big guy who plays the lead singer who's a, kind of a jerk yeah mm. that's him singing and he's so good yeah he still sings but he's still a jerk so he doesn't doesn't work that often yeah um, all the like every one of those every one of those performers you expect Glenn them Hansard, yeah to go and make be huge movie stars right the once guys they're the only so one charismatic who, yeah, every yeah. one of them yeah um and then it's such and it's uh everyone go see the commitments then he does. Ben, Okay. Remember what I said about Speaking it? Speaking of right. your best, I opened it. It's a lot of fun. You'd love it. Yeah. All I right. mean, you'd have a good One time. of the best opening credits songs of all time. Great opening credits song. He follows it with a total bounce 
The Road to Wellville, kind of a famous '90s bounce. Speaking That's, of Anthony uh, Hopkins, speaking of Anthony movie Hopkins, like what, you know, yeah. Anthony Hopkins, John you just, Harvey done, Kellogg, yeah. you, you've won an Oscar. You're hot. Right. Do you want to play like the world's most famous incel? Basically, right. like, do you want to make a movie about like milk enemas and people who like sure. no fap clubs? Uh, I, I can see, I can see, I can see, Anthony, that you're resistant. To How about I tell you, it's based on a T. Corregus and Boyle novel. Oh, it, is. it is. What if we give you buck teeth and a funny mustache? Sure. Just one of those. It's things. about the it's inventor like, of cornflakes. That was right. that was like a Columbia Pictures. Like who yeah. allowed this? They spent oodles of money. That, on that's that. the nineties were a weird time. Yeah, a weird they were time. making they were making movies for grownups to see in movie theaters still with a lot of money. That, with a lot that of money. was a movie. Like talk about like Evil Dead. Like some people go. Hey, I, I have nothing can't. against T. Caragas and Boyle. Don't you fucking sell me out, no, his, anonymous Scarfield. The, the Boyle heads are going to come for you. The Caracas. I never read the, I'm sure it's a great book, but I mean, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I talk about weird tonal movies. That would always play on Comedy Central during the day. If I was homesick, I would watch wow. some random 30-minute stretch of Road to Wellville and go like, this feels illegal. Yeah. You should not be able to make a movie that feels like this. Same. Saw it on Comedy Central, and I was like, this makes me feel weird. Dana Carvin's like a street urchin with like black teeth. <laughs> Who is? Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey. Hey, Governor, give me one of those animals. Uh, I've never seen this particular oh, film. Yes. It's so bizarre. Um, who who else is in that movie? Matthew in the Road to Wellville, Bridget Fonda, Dana Carvey. I know Anthony it's a Bridget Hopkins. Fonda. Yeah, I'm fine. Uh, you've it got was the age of Bridget Fonda, Matthew Broderick, uh, John Cusack, Michael Lerner. For me, it was. Who doesn't love a Lerner appearance? A drop in from I love a Michael ML. Lerner. Of course, that doesn't work. He's like, fine. I guess I'll just do Evita with right. Madonna. Yeah. How do you like them apples? Wow. He follows Evita up with Angela's Ashes, which is like. The bestseller upon bestsellers. And then people are like, hmm, it's a little sad. (laughs) (laughs) This movie's a little bit of a bummer. (laughs) Because that movie was rolled out with, like, I assume the Oscars are coming for this one. That's in 1999. Who was even in it? Robert Carlyle and Emily Watson. Robert Carlyle, the feel-good actor of the century. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I mean, Emily Watson, too. God love her. But she's in a lot of miserable... And it's just... You know, the poster is just a sad-looking kid's face, and, and then Hollywood's like, oh, wait, why? No right, tickets sold? We, Zero? Yeah, you know what's what? funny? So what no year, what year was this? 1999. People right. are like, Fight Club, Magnolia. And like, no, you don't want to see the starving children. Well, right. And what's interesting is like, yeah, okay, we were talking at the beginning of this about the turn, 1999 mm-hmm. to 2003, yeah. how everything shifted, and they just stopped making... No one would make a movie no. based on a novel for adults now. Like, I mean, no, they be... make it for Hulu or whatever. Right, right. Exactly. they make it for Apple. Members like... of a Geisha's 2005, yeah. and that was one of the, like, that's a movie close to Angela's Ashes where you're like, undeniable, a inevitable. Movie right. of the year, yeah, right. of course. Everyone's right. going to love this. Yeah, I mean, at least Memoirs of a Geisha, it's like, right, they're wearing dresses. There's sex. There's intrigue. Angela's right. Ashes is like, we didn't have any food. Yeah. We continued <laughs> to not have any food. Right. And they're like, how long's the movie? Like, Days went on. Like, but you know what's so funny is you talk about the movie's like two and a half hours long. Good. You, you good. talk about people being surprised that the poster of a sad little boy like didn't <laughs> blow up the fucking box office. Eight trillion people Sorry, bought the ben. book that had the almost identical cover. Right. I know. The, that cover was so yeah. omnipresent. Yeah. You, you want to see this, Ben? Howdy, boy. Sign no. me up. There's a reason. Ben. There's a reason I never saw the movie The Tin Drum. Sure. Yeah, oh, that's a good movie though. That's oh yeah, but movie. that movie, that poster is. Uh, and then his final child. movie, of course, was The Life of David. Gale. That's his final movie. That's his. That's his. Um, uh, I'm gonna his just. Goodbye. I'm gonna. I'm gonna tease something that we need to explain. It go into in some later episode. Go mm-hmm. back to the Angela Ashes poster. Yeah. Poster. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get a big show version. Show it to Ben. Yeah. Angela's ashes. I'm just. I'm setting up deep Ben lore that's gonna come in some future episode. 
Ben, the kid on the ash- Angela's Ashes movie poster looks like you in the Don't Litter poster. He does. <laughs> yeah, he does. And to our listeners, you'll find out. We will tell the tale of the Don't Litter poster someday soon. Um, so that's the box office. Some other movies. Sorry, uh, some kind of wonderful is in there. Something called Witchboard. What's that? No idea. Anyone know what Witchboard is? No. That was. Uh, I'm gonna get yelled that at. That was a Ouija board horror movie. Too. It sure is. Yeah. Get ready for people. Teen text from Alex Ross Perry. Yeah, seriously, you don't know Witchboard? Uh, so sorry, but yes, uh, Ouija board. Mm. What we? What, what year? 1987. We're yeah, talking about. Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah. Uh, Mannequin uh, is in the top sure. ten. Another 80s, you know, junkie. Also, one where the where the sequel was much better. Mannequin yeah. two. Mm. Really I've seen much better title. I don't. I've no. On idea. the move. I've never. I always get this the, wrong. <laughs> Mannequin two on the move. Is that the title? I, I think, I it, think is. That it is. That sounds right. Uh, and also, I've never seen. Yep. Ma- I've never <laughs> yep. seen any of the mannequins. Mannequin Who's two. Who's in Mannequin two? Uh, in Mannequin two, you've got Kirsty Swanson. Right. Uh, William Ragsdale. You it's don't not get, a cast that's you like don't get the, the lead of Mannequin. You don't get Andrew McCarthy back. You don't get right. Andrew. You don't McCarthy. get McCarthy. You don't. Get you get Meshach Taylor though. I'm sure. Is he in both? He's uh, got to be. Uh, I feel like go back to me. David so confidently closing the tab out of the mannequin tab. No, Meshach Taylor is back. Okay, Meshach Taylor is back. I think that was a log line of mannequin too. Meshach Taylor is back. Taylor is back. Mannequin two making three million dollars on a thirteen budget. So By the way, we're doing anyway. mannequin on Patreon. <laughs> well, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> the mannequin uh, dipped. Outrageous fortune. The Shelley oh, Long sure. movie yeah. is up there, and Hoosiers, mm. which absolutely I've is never the seen. Best. I've never seen any of the Hoosier franchise. Do you want permission to say anything to Ben about Hoosiers? Fucking slaps. He wasn't looking at me. He wasn't, he wasn't even looking. Um, What's up? Hoosiers. Have you, have seen, you the seen Hoosiers? The basketball movie. Oh, I thought it was a football movie. No. <laughs> Fair. No, it's basketball. Okay. Uh, well, it fucking slaps. It slaps? Why is it slapping so good? Honestly... You throw it's it slapping on. balls down. It's on one of those movies dribbling. where you're like, That's again, true. you're like, this you movie's you been made a million team. times, yeah. right? Like, right. you know, but you throw it on, and it's like five. It's set like five in the morning in a farmhouse, and you can like one of those movies where you can feel that the air is kind of dewy and cold, yeah. and it's like Gene Hackman walking into a farmhouse with a basketball, and you're like. I got goosebumps. Like, <laughs> holy shit. Sure. Like, nothing's even happened yet. Like, uh, you know, it's that good. The last half, which is more sports movie mm-hmm. like, oh, they have to make the comeback, is good. Yeah. But it's the first half when it's just Gene Hackman barking at a bunch of Indiana kids, like, fundamentals, passing. You're just like, you bark at him, Gene. It's so, it's invigorating. It's so good. Bracing. It's a bracing. It's film. a bracing. Bracing movie. basketball film. It's it's just what you want. Uh, who, who else? Who are the Hoosiers and Hoosiers? Well, I mean, Dennis Hopper is the sort of famous supporting character, and yeah, he, but those there the must have been some uh, young. Who actors are the kids? Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna look them up. And I mean, like, because the funny thing, of course, is Hopper is getting the sort of combo Oscar nod that Blue year Velvet. for that and Blue right. Velvet, right. and they gave it to him for the less objectionable movie. Oh right, gotcha. because but in, he is really good at sure. It. Like yeah. you can't really. Uh, Brad Long, mm. Mike Valanis, of course, plays Jimmy Chitwood. They're mostly related. Right. Did any kids. of them come back for the sequel? Is there a sequel? Yeah. Tushers. <laughs> That's all you wanted. You say he's raising his like arms triumphantly, like he just I won. Even, I couldn't even let it sit. I had to. I had the to get state it out as championship. As you like you couldn't even wait for him to say what was it called? Couldn't. Couldn't, you were I was worried gonna, I would move on. No, yeah. I was going to break. I was going to yeah. break. Tuesday's uh, on the move. The only other movie in the top ten or top whatever that I want to shout out is Heat, the nineteen eighty six Heat oh. with Burt Reynolds. Yes, oh. which is like a sort of ex- is that an Elmore Leonard uh, uh, it's, adaptation? It's William Goldman 
it's a novel he wrote and then oh. adapted himself. Isn't that movie re- Stick is an Elmore Leonard adaptation? Right. right. Yes. Yes. Am I wrong that that Heat is later remade as something else? Um, I don't know. Is it? I know that might be a totally false memory. I have. Yes. It was remade as a movie called Wild Card, starring Jason Statham. Right, thank you. Directed by Simon West. Yeah. And the poster is in the form of a playing card. Huh. What? I wonder which. Uh, the Jack. <laughs> and oh, guess God. what? He's all in. Oh, boy. He's got uh, fists, in case yeah. you were worried about I would not have even noticed that that was a playing card. That's such a small detail on that yeah, poster. No, it's it's, it's all Statham, no playing yeah. card. I do not accept. Um, wild card. Yeah, anyway. So that's the box office, the Evil Dead 2. But yeah, it wasn't the theaters that... Even though you saw it in theaters, it was the home video market that made that movie. Yeah, so. but I, was, you know, I only saw it because, uh, because Nick McCarthy well, he's clued a cool me in. Yeah. Shout out to Nick McCarthy. Yeah. Uh, you should get to know them. Everyone's looking at their phone. Well, well, I'm, I'm sorry. My phone. I'm okay. sorry. David, I saw something over the shoulder, over your computer. Okay. That you did not acknowledge. What did I That do? I was like, clearly, I must be imagining things because if this has been the, the wild case. wild card poster? What are you looking at right now? This is the French wild card poster where the film had a different title. Yeah, I just wanted to move on. I was like, let's wrap it up. How long have we been going? That's Too matter. long. In France, in France the movie was called Joker. Joker. <laughs> Joker. <laughs> it was. I can't deny it. And it ben, was called Joker. That is a wild card, not a jack. That, no. That is true. No. That is actually a fair point. More realistic. Ben, I hope you bleeped all of those out. No, we retired that bit. Yeah, we, we were retired, retired it. bit. Yeah. Didn't we're back we? to we're sick of that it. shit. I don't Especially know. Especially because people would like be like, hey, new listener to the pod. What was Griffin talking about? Where someone got beeped out like eight times. They're like, he was just saying Joker. <laughs> it's complicated. But no, we've been going for a while. We should. I okay. have to eat my bagel. Yeah, ben I'm starving. Has, Ben's bagel has been sitting here. Uh, and anyway, when's this episode coming out? Well, I won't spoil it. It comes out, I believe, a week after Dicktown. Premiere. April 3rd. So no. Oh, no. So, it comes out a month after Dicktown. That, so by now, yes. all new episodes of Dicktown okay. have been on FXX. Okay. And they are now... All available to you on Hulu. Hulu. Yeah, but I want to watch some sur- in between Family Guy episodes. So do I have to do FXX well, for that? Or could I, right, could I do, you it do it myself? For all right. I know at this point, we're recording this in advance. Yeah. yeah. For all I know. Uh, this is not live, to be clear. No. Right. <laughs> for all I know, FXX <laughs> might might now be running Dicktown from midnight to 2 a.m. Sure. every day. Sure. We may have overtaken Family Guy. Right. Well, With the help of help. the blank check listeners, Lance, uh, we have become an international phenomenon. About time. And um, thank you very much for that because it's uh, tremendous and we hope to be able to make uh, more episodes of Dicktown. It's a wonderful show. And I've said this to you before. But animation uh, takes so goddamn long. And if you're just a voice actor, unlike you and, and Mr. Rees, who also write and right. run the show and all of that, you do it and then you walk away from it. Right. And you see the final product so much later right. that I really do think, as opposed to anything I've ever acted in on camera, I feel very divorced from it. Yeah, Like, I'll know my own performance, but I feel like I can objectively watch animated things I'm in because I'm like, I was not privy right. to any of this process of this thing getting made to this point and so i did i did the record with uh you guys for the first season and then it came it out much came later out much in later. the middle of the pandemic sure and it was one of the few things i found to be an actual in terms of new tv shows that were a real salve for me and an escape at the worst of the doldrums of the lockdown it, where i found the show to be a really pleasant uh, a, a fun distraction. From it is. The a, uh, we hope and that be only that. If anything, yeah. it'll be a really fun 
pleasant distraction. Very funny. It is it is dinky little mysteries in a dinky little town. John Hunchman. John Hunchman, David Purifoy teaming up in an old Pontiac Fiero to solve right. really crummy mysteries. It's a broken child genius and his former childhood bully solving he, mysteries together in a houseboat. Up. But yeah. then but then I mean spoiler alert. Sure. Uh my character, John Hunchman, and uh, his character, David Purefoy, we have a fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go our separate ways, and I have to hire a new driver, and that Who is that Lance. Be? Lance. Lance and his Kawasaki Ninja motorcycle yeah. that I have to ride on the back of. It's very funny. Very funny. It's uh, a really, and Lance really, really, really is, funny and, uh, Griffin is amazing in it. Thank and you. season one, obviously, is on Hulu for people yeah, season to watch. one is on Hulu, and by now, season two is on but Hulu. It, but, like, yeah, exactly. You watch watch it all. all, and watch they're, all. And they're bite size. They are bite size. And if I may just say... And you're taking bites. I'm ready to bite, bagels. Yeah. But uh, David's character... Vibe wise, David, getting, David Reese's character, yeah. correct, correct. correct. Yeah. It's getting the official Ben stamp of approval. Yeah, oh, he's a yeah. real is it a big bone motherfucker. Yeah, bone he's stamp? a motherfucker. He, is, he yeah. rules. Yeah, and he yeah. rules, and I love it. The I think. Great. I think if we have a season three, if we are so lucky, yeah, mm-hmm. we'll have to write a character for you. Wow, like David Purifoy's cousin, who's an even more of a. More of a motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, I would be honored. Yeah. Sorry, I was speaking directly it's to Ben there. I didn't have permission. Is that all right? <laughs> yes, yes. Retroactive permission. Yeah. <laughs> so, sorry. so sorry. We don't have to cut this out of the episode. The no. <laughs> <laughs> word. And, and, and check da- our bylaws. Yes. <laughs> and David, we, we, ha- we have, a, we have a, a Belgian boy detective who comes to dig down in this season. <laughs> Tintin type? Is that the yeah. idea? <laughs> Because of uh, uh, IP issues, I cannot yeah. respond. You cannot to respond to that. What question. a weird connection for you to John make. Is well, we have a Belgian nodding. boy detective, but I, I wonder <laughs> if there is a, or a Bel- is he wearing plus fours? <laughs> Tintin right. always wore plus fours. <clears throat> Why would until, you make that until mm-hmm. until the very last uh, collected album, Tintin and the Picaros, when he's finally wears he finally wears sure. uh, he yeah. wears flared trousers, flared trousers. Tintin and the Picaros, one of the most incredible masterpieces of literature, in my opinion. I agree with you. Um, but uh, we we do we do have a Belgian boy detective who shows up in Dicktown this season. If we have a season three, maybe a young man from England. <laughs> Why would you say that? <laughs> Why would you want me? He's <laughs> not even doing the bit. Maybe like, I don't a have acting. <laughs> don't a young American from England. A young American shows from up England who doesn't shut up about how he grew up in England, North Carolina, from the ages of nine to twenty-two. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Anyway, I have, I I was curious, and I uh, because we were talking about the line groovy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I've never, for all I've known, I've never know, I've never known the origin of that line. Yeah, was it an ad lib? Mm. Was it in the script? So I asked Bruce. You texted Bruce during the yes, and he said Sam wrote it. He wanted something out of it that was cool. And in the mid days, Reagan era, groovy was way not cool. Here's the Bruce. thing about the groovy line, and we're done. Yeah, they're done. The episode's but, over. The camera holds on him. He says groovy. Hang on. Can I talk to Ben for a second? Absolutely. Please. Ben, get ready to eat that bagel. <laughs> oh, I'm Just ready. hang on. This is okay. it. After okay. groovy, we're done. <laughs> Thank you, John. I appreciate that. Get re- are you ready to eat it? He's ready. Yeah. He's literally holding it in What's his on hand? That Unwrapped. It's a scallion cream it's cheese. scallion cream it's got cheese. got a scowl on it. Mm. But the camera holds on him. He says groovy. Mm. You punch the air. And then what I love is the camera holds for like two more seconds. And you almost see Bruce Campbell start to break. Yeah. Like he kind of goes like. You can almost see his eyes yeah. flicker to like, all right, you yeah. know, good. We like, got it. Right? Right? It's perfect. Probably in real life, Sam held it for five minutes. Right, yeah. exactly. Just like, nope, not done yet. Hang on there, yeah, Bruce. Right, Bruce. Right, Hang right. on. It's so good. Anyway. What a fucking great movie. Very good movie. Uh, and Bruce Campbell is Charlie Brown. That's what I was going to say. Trying to tie it all back together. Someone who just, life just beats up on him. I was going to say Bruce Campbell would be good as the tree that eats Charlie Brown's kite. 
I, if that oh, tree yeah. could talk, I imagine it having like a mocking yeah. adult Bruce yeah. Campbell. Hey, boy. kid. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Listen here, kid. Wah, 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 wah. Right. Oh, and the other thing I want to say, I'm sorry. Sorry, Ben. Ben's bagel. When you were talking about how you knew that they were writing to him after this movie, and I'm, spoiler alert, because yeah. I'm only going to talk about the very first image of Army of Darkness, because mm. I went on to watch a little bit more of it, and I have some uh, thoughts about it, but I won't share them anymore because mm-hmm. Ben's hungry. Mm-hmm. But the actual title of that movie is not Army of Darkness. According to the opening credits, it is Bruce Campbell versus Army of Darkness. Like, they knew. We'll talk about it. They fucking knew. They Thank you all for listening. Thank you, John, for being on the show. Thank you very much. Been way too long. Me. One of those things where we were like, "Wait, has Hodgman not been on since before well, there the was pandemic? A pandemic?" There was a pandemic. I know, but that weird thing where we're like, "Have we had this person on three times since the pandemic, and Hodgman not since?" Well, you invited America to come in. Oh, that's true. I did. Yeah, that's right. That was the last one. Come in. Come in. Come in. Come in. We're gonna do the remake. The sequel to that is gonna be amazing. What a difference in a makes. Master Builder Two, The Apprentice on the loose. <laughs> Master Builder Two colon The Apprentice. Ben, ben, you may eat that bagel. Go. Ben, eat the bagel okay, as I wrap you. up the show. Thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you to Marie Barty for our social media, JJ Birch, and uh, Nick Loriano for our research, Alex Barron, AJ McKeon for our editing, Leigh Montgomery and the Great American Novel for our theme song. You can go to blankcheckpod.com, our shiny new website made by the aforementioned Marie Barty, for links to our merch. Discord, Reddit, all the fun things. Thank you all for voting in uh, recently uh, finished March Madness. And uh, I'm just going to call it now being normal. Let's just will that into existence. (laughs) I'm saying now the day before March begins. Thank you all for a very normal and calm month. I hope you all lived up to my expectations. Uh, Tune in next week for Dark Man. Am I getting the word wrong here? Dark Man. We're going dark. We're going dark, baby. Have you ever seen Dark Man, Ben? No. I think you're going to like this guy. You will like Darkman. You're going to like this guy. We're going to have a fun guest, classic guest. A classic guest. An old favorite coming back for that. Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. That's right. Yeah. And as always, now I'm just thinking about Liam Neeson doing You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. It's nice to have you. The whole podcast on the phone is what I'm imagining. Oh, though. He just yeah. calls in. I have a very particular set of skills. Guesting on podcasts. Who's Liam Neeson and You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown? Charlie Brown. Everybody says to me, you're a good man, Charlie Brown.